Well, hello and welcome to episode number 325 of the Playing Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos, and on this week's show, there's good news as Virgin Australia announced they've found a buyer. EasyJet releases plans to close their three of their operating bases and the 737 MAX scheduled test flights that start next week for certification. In the military, the Blue Angel C-130 pilots are in the UK honing up their new Fat Albert aircraft skills, and the Osprey tilt rotor officially joins the US Navy. Nev shares with us his experiences as he takes his first flight since lockdown began, and Matt talks to Captain Al all about bird strikes. So joining me in this week, as always, not stressed at all, and he is absolutely calm as a cucumber, is of course Matt Smith. Bring my fader up and try that again, shall I? Yeah, always. I, I'm fine. I'm fine here. I understand you've had a bit of a, a day of it, though, mate. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm sitting this way rather than facing the camera because I've got my currently got my leg on top of a raised platform because I had a slight tumble this afternoon. As you do. <laughs> As you do. I hope you filled out the health and safety. Of course, book. absolutely. Yeah, appropriate paperwork. Yeah, I even saw my manager about it. Did you? Uh, hang on, aren't you your oh, manager? Yeah. Yes, right. <laughs> right. That would have been a fun conversation. Let's have a chat with ourselves, uh, shall we? Yes. Anyway, it's a bit, it's a bit uh, like when I book holidays. Can uh, I have this week off? Right. Yes. Okay. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, I'm I'm glad we had this chat. Um, yes. So, so, ha- so what's uh, what's uh, been happening in the world of Smith this week? And I'm, I'm guessing you've uh, been uh, working hard tirelessly. Yeah, indeed. So I, I've been uh, I've been. Uh, some of you may know that obviously during lockdown, I, I've been doing a bit of working for another company, which is basically a glorified call center essentially. So I'm just answering emails for a, a lovely company called. Naked Wines that are based in Norwich here and um, it's it's been a, an interesting uh, couple of days I'll be honest with you it's uh, still much to learn um, but yeah it's been it, it's been fun so I've, I've basically just been spending most of my time staring at a laptop and typing a lot <laughs> oh that sounds like fun absolutely sounds like fun. yes but Nev's had a lot of fun though Yes, Nev, welcome on as always it's uh, it's a guy the guy who has a plush new carpet in the Nev Tech Studios this week. Mr. Bounds. I do, yes. And uh, also, this is my final oh, can no. of Speedbird 100. Crisis, um, crisis in the studio. I, I had to buy, so I'm hoping that the lounges are going to be open soon so I can uh, borrow some. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Nice BA boy. Borrow? Well, yes, yesterday I was uh, on a couple of flights from Heathrow to Edinburgh and back. Um, very tiring, I have to say. I know that sounds a bit weedy and miserable, but uh, I was really tired at the end of all that yesterday. And uh, later in the show, you will find out why. I know. Now, I had the opportunity to have a little bit of a, a watch of this earlier, and I'm sort of... Uh, I, I know what you've got to look forward to, and it's really good. I can't wait to share it with everyone, actually. Now, uh, there is one person missing, Carlos, as I'm sure you've uh, yes, realised. Yes, Armando can't be with us this week, unfortunately. Mm. He's... Uh, Busy, busy flying, but so I'm just having cold compress put on my leg at the moment. Uh, but he uh, <laughs> has do. sent us in. He's, he's sent us in. It's a, it's a normal day in the in the PTUK studios. Yeah, <laughs> it's always got to happen on the show. Come on, let's be honest here. It's, it, this just proves it is live. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but no, Armando, I can't be with us. But uh, he has sent in lots of video content for us to play mm. on the show, which is awesome. So you will still hit, be able to see, see and hear, and hear Armando, which is really good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I suppose it's it's all it's all all happening everywhere across the mm. globe. We've had some quite big stories this week in the news. Yeah, and uh, but uh, yeah, I suppose uh, 
Have we got anything to cover at the beginning of the show? Actually, actually, one thing we must do before we start things off is welcome everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening because there are a few names, uh, new names, uh, who may well have popped over from APG that finished not so long ago. So hello to Never you. Never heard of them. Who are they? Sorry. Rich Rich from Sheffield. <laughs> hello to you, Rich from Sheffield. We've got uh, Richard Adams, Chris Griggs. Uh, we've got Alan White in there as well. Alex R., uh, we've got Masha. Hello to you, Masha. She's hoping to visit the UK uh, sometime in June, all being well. Uh, so, mm. sorry, July, all being well. Uh, Aaron P. Hello to you, Aaron. Uh, scrolling up the list. We've got Auntie Liz. It's always good to have Auntie Liz in. We've got Charles. Uh, uh, hopefully, I'll pronounce this correctly. Charles Einarsen. Have I got that right? Einarsen? He'll let us know, I'm sure. He'll uh, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Hello He's to you, the Charles. Chat, yeah. Uh, and also, we've got John Jester as, as well joining us in there tonight as well. So hello to you, John. He's, uh, he's our resident 747 pilot, so it's always good to have the yeah. Queen of the Skies pilot with us in the chat room. So welcome to everyone, one and all, who's joined us tonight uh, today, I should say. And it is the 3rd of July. Can you believe it, guys? I know. We're already into so July. Fast. Yeah, absolutely. It's going so fast. And as it's the top of the month, as they say, there is one thing that we must always do, and it's my favourite music. I don't know why. Here we go. There we are. It's time to do a bit of Patreon and, and uh, PayPal. And uh, Nev, it's uh, time for you to sort of basically say thank you on behalf of us to all our wonderful Patreon donators. Yes, and uh, this is really important. So thank you very much to everybody that has donated uh, for this month. And on Patreon, uh, we have donations from Louise, uh, Alan Loveday, Nico Reger, uh, Andrew van der Sarg, Alan White, Stephen Howland, Tanya Wyman, Megan Carrion, uh, Jacob Darlington-Brown, Nicholas Hewitt, Masha, uh, Owen, Reuben Wells, Neil Lamborn, Graham Haley, Jonathan Warner, uh, Eric Graves, Matt Caton, uh, Jordan Rose, uh, Andrew Wilson, Evan Shue, Captain Jeff, Adam Spink, Liz Piper, Jeff Ward, Myla, Philip Laib, Stuart Backer, Ray Williams and Stephanie Plummer. And for those who donate via the regular PayPal method, it's Mazouz Karim, Jennifer Parkinson, Tony Stubbings and Richard Adams. Thank you very much to all of you for your fantastic contributions. We could not do the show without you. Absolutely not. And of course, in these very weird times, uh, it means even more to us because uh, obviously, you know, some people, you know, have had to make tough decisions, obviously, and we completely understand why that has to happen. As I say, we're, we're all in the same boat here. So as I say, it means even more to us at the moment that uh, many of you are still helping us keep keep this show on the road, mm. as they say. And every, every little bit counts as well. Definitely. Every little bit counts, yeah, um, yeah. especially for, with... Uh, the costs of running the show because um, hopefully I think Matt haven't we got a, a special treat coming for the listeners in regards to a, a, a refresh I should say of oh uh, yes yeah, so the well there's a change to the website coming very soon I haven't quite finished that yet but uh, we're, we're sort of getting there it's uh, it's not fine as I say seriously thank you very much to everyone who mm. takes part now Carlos um, there's a big anniversary going on at the moment or, or it's a sort of uh, uh, it's a 40th <laughs> birthday to someone here and I just well not someone here Obviously, but um, I'm, I'm going to play. Yes, it is. Yeah, well, I'm going to play a little clip here, and I want to see how long it takes for our chat room to identify <laughs> uh, what we're talking about. It's 40 years, I believe, since this oh, particular, yeah. I'll say, film was produced. Airplane is romance. <laughs> I love you, Elaine. I love you. 
Yeah, that kind of didn't work because I've forgotten that they actually say the word airplane in the top. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, it is the 40th birthday of this iconic film that I still haven't seen, by the way. I need to put that right, don't I? And for those of you who want some facts and figures, because you like some facts and figures on the show, uh, Airplane was uh, released on the 2nd of July, 1980. Uh, it was released by Paramount Pictures and was a critical and financial success grossing $158 million worldwide against a budget of $3.5 million. In 2007, a survey by Channel 4 in the United Kingdom, it was judged as the second greatest comedy film of all time after Monty Python's Life of Brian. Wow. Now, I have seen that one. Although, ironically, um, it was... Um, now, I'm just, sorry, I've just missed it. Uh, here we go. Uh, Rich from Sheffield said, ironically, he actually watched it last night. He watched it again last night. So that's, that's incredible timing, isn't it? Yeah. And Auntie Liz has, has chimed in saying, that, wow, that makes me feel really old. Um. Actually, who in, the chat, who in the chat room can remember the name of the inflatable... Um, um, pilot. Oh, the, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nev, don't give it away. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm sure yeah. they all. I'm sure. Yeah, I was say, actually, the, ch the chat room here is great. Look, it says we've got Alex Rose saying, nervous, first time. No, I've never been nervous before. Uh, <laughs> don't call me Shirley. Don't call oh, me Shirley. That. that was the classic one. I think Leslie Nielsen, I mean, takes a bit of beating. I mean, I can't think of anyone who is as funny as he is in no. the kind of stuff that he no. does. It's that deadpan delivery, isn't it, that makes it super special, isn't it? But, but on, uh, honestly, on, a, on an audio-visual note from that film, which obviously Nev and Matt would appreciate. Oh, they're all saying Otto. You, look, so Dr. Dr. Steph, Alex Robinson, well Masha, done, Otto. Uh, Rich from Sheffield, all saying Otto. If you remember on the if you remember on the film, if you've seen the film, when they ha when they do the, the shot of the aircraft in the clouds flying, yeah, it's obviously it's obviously I think it's based loosely on the seven oh seven, but right. they, the the audio in the background is of a prop aircraft, yes, yeah, which yeah. is quite just uh, uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. There we go. So anyway, happy birthday, airplane. That's that's oh. all we wanted to do with that. Right, we we better get down to business. I think, mate. Oh no, yes. sorry. We yes. have uh, yeah, we have a very special. Uh, announcement to make actually on the show this week and it's regarding our competition if you remember last week we had uh, Andrew from the plane reclaimers on the show and we had a good chat with Andrew if you haven't heard it already take yourselves back to last week's show and uh, have a listen to that because it was great but also Andrew very very kindly gave us a voucher uh, for one hundred and fifty pounds yes you did hear me correctly one hundred and fifty and that's to use on the Plane Reclaimers online shop. Now, there is literally a whole heap of stuff you can get for that amount of money on the shop and much more. Take yourselves over and have a look. But we have a competition uh, which we're going to run, and uh, we're going to announce the winner of the competition on episode 330, uh, which will be somewhere, I think, around about the 7th of August, guys? Yes. The 7th of yes. August, yeah. So uh, what, we are, what are we looking for, Matt? What are we looking for for this uh, particular competition? Uh, well, yeah, so, so basically uh, we're, we're going to call it... Um, uh, you, you've 
caught me on the spot there. I had the wrong camera. Uh, it's, we're going to call it Aviation in My Life, basically. Uh, and as, as Carlos said, we're going to announce it on episode 330. So that's uh, the 7th of August is when we'll announce it. But it basically can be any format you wish, written, audio, audio, visual, presentation, whatever you like, so long as you consent for it to be used on the show. And the theme can be taken to mean anything you want. So um, perhaps you could be talking about your favourite um, moment in aviation. You could perhaps talk about one of the meetups um, that we've all been lucky enough to go to I mean in my my mind obviously Farnborough is one of the, the big ones where we got to meet mm. Captain Jeff and all that lot you know that very first it's also the very first time I worked with Nev you know he's been regretting that ever since oh, uh, <laughs> Um, so, so literally that. So, we just, basically, the theme is aviation. So, what we want in order for you to basically enter the competition is some form of feedback. Basically, because we want to learn a bit about you, uh, and uh, if if you do that, basically, your name will then be dropped into a hat, and then you could win yeah. an amazing prize of one hundred and fifty pounds that you can then spend in the plane reclaimers shop, which, as Carlos said, is an incredible gift that was so generously given to us by uh, Andrew last week. Uh, so, yeah. So. Literally that, so it can be the, the theme is loosely termed aviation. But please do, uh, you know, if you could do audio, video, that's great. But a, a really nice email that we can read out on the show will be fine as well. Um, there's no, as I say, we'd love you to do the audio visual thing, but you don't get penalised if you like for just just sending us a really nice email telling us about your time in aviation. Um, it's as I say, those that very kindly send us some feedback that we can use on the show will then be dropped into the hat, as I say, and the draw will be done on the seventh of August, which will be episode. 330 so uh, yeah, yeah really uh, uh, something quite funny happened yesterday or day before yesterday uh, with regard to the uh, plane reclaimers I had a phone call from uh, Andy from the A320 podcast oh and <laughs> his opening gambit was you so and so that's not the word he actually used. no no no, 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 uh, no. he's now fully addicted to their website <laughs> he now has to try and explain to Mrs Andy yes. why he's looking at a 737 throttle quadrant or an A320 side <laughs> uh, to be delivered to his house. Um, wow. So, uh, yeah, be warned, this website is addictive. And, Highly uh, addictive, it, yes. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it's it's great. Really, really good. So, Let, uh, I mean, let's be honest. The stuff great. that's on the website oh. is, honestly, if, if you look, I mean, for that £150, £150 There's a lot of stuff you can get for that, yeah. You can, you can get anything from an exit sign um, right through to a set of economy class seats. Wow. Um, if you if you want to have those in your in your house, but uh, <laughs> which I'd love to, probably wouldn't get away with that. No, but, you would um, not. No, but they've even even you could even bag yourself uh, a life jacket, which which is quite good. Or um, honestly, just take a look, guys. Take yourselves over to their website. Um, the links and stuff are all in last week's show notes as well. But the Plain Reclaimers website, and um, yeah, it's it's good fun. So don't forget to get those stories in. Mm. And uh, as Matt yep. said, presentations. Videos, audio, yep. You know, whatever we'd, love, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, uh, send your entries into podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That is podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. And actually, on that note of stuff, they have actually this weekend uh, on there got the sale um, of. Oh, no. Remember the we were talking on the show last week about the Tinkerbell uh, oh, yeah. sign off off that. Oh 747. yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, most of you will know the airline, but we shan't say. But it's the Tinkerbell sign, and at the moment, if you if you've got a spare wall to hang it on, for one, um, <laughs> you could you could have that uh, pretty iconic uh, name sign on your wall for a cool 
£1,999. Oh <laughs> OK, I think on that bombshell we should probably move on and actually get down to the so, main show. <laughs> as we are going to start the show then, as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if uh, everyone's ready with their yeah, credit absolutely. cards? Yes, I think... <laughs> with their credit cards. Like I say, we're going to, have to, we're going to have to whistle through this before our producer gets very stressed. Here we go. Let's go! <laughs> So, kicking off this week's first news story, so I'm just reading the chat room. <laughs> a few people haven't seen that yet, which is a bit surprising, so there we go. <laughs> this one is on the businesstraveller.com website, and uh, the headline, Virgin Australia, brought by private uh, US private equity group, Bayan, is it Bayan Capital? Bayan Capital? Uh, so Virgin Australia has been brought by U.S. private equity group Bain, Bain Capital after it went into voluntary administration due to the coronavirus. The carrier, which was founded by Sir Richard Branson and Australian businessman Brett Godfrey, went into voluntary administration with accounting firm Delotti, uh, appointed to oversee the process in April this year. On June the 2nd, the troubled airline narrowed the short list of bidders down to two Bayern Capital and Cyrus Capital Partners. Virgin Australia confirmed uh, this week that Bayern Capital has entered into an agreement with its administrators to become the new owner of the airline in a statement posted on its website. So this is a great day for Virgin Australia, they said, and a huge milestone as we move forward with Bayern Capital, said Virgin Australia Group Chief Executive Officer and Managing Director Paul Scurra. So Bayern Capital has spent many hours over the past week speaking to us and getting a deep understanding of our business and working to secure a deal with our administrators. He said that we know uh, they are committed to investing in the airline and that we are thrilled to be working with them into the future, he added. The airline is planning on increasing its domestic flights in July. Uh, and it's currently operating 6% of its pre-coronavirus capacity and will be increasing to around 13% in July. So that's good news, um, I think, guys. If, uh, you know, something uh, obviously that, w that was bad is now obviously going to turn around, hopefully, and, and carry on. Obviously, the big part of this being that um, all, all being well, people will... Mm. Keep their jobs. Yes, and, and what's quite interesting about this, so, so John's done a bit of digging uh, in this, and actually I think he has. Uh, most of the sources on this are on the executivetraveller.com, um, and you can have a look on there. I'll make sure that those these details are in the show notes, actually. Uh, anyway, sort of long story short, so this, uh, this article basically highlights exactly what's going to happen to the airline and how it will change from what's on offer today. Uh, a rough summary goes basically, so Virgin Australia will go mid-market. Uh, Virgin Australia 2.0 uh, will be a mid-market value value-based airline rather than t than compete with budget competition Jetstar or full-service Qantas. Uh, so Vi uh, Virgin says that Tiger is gone, so the Virgin Australia brand will remain. Bain has uh, solid connections to Sir Richard Branson, such as being a joint venture partner in the uh, Virgin Voyages 
cruise line but the low-cost Tiger Air operation which former Virgin Australia CEO uh, John Bottelli sorry uh, acquired over 2013-2014 for 35 million dollars uh, that that's not going to be returning it's going to be a much mm. smaller airline Bain uh, plans to relaunch Virgin with only 60 to 70 aircraft down from the 132 Virgin uh, started with uh, in the uh, this year with cutting the fleet by half or will place Virgin around about its size from back in 2007-2008. Virgin operated 60 aircraft at the end of 2007 and 78 at the close of 2008. So there's going to be a streamlined fleet, so the makeup makeup of that smaller fleet will centre on the workhouse, uh, sorry, the workhorse that is the Boeing 737, of which Virgin Australia has 85, including Tiger's tally uh, in its hangars. That number evenly split um, between uh, owned and leased jets, so lounges will stay open. The club is oh, to close. Good. Yeah, absolutely. So don't worry, Nev. <laughs> yeah, don't lounges panic. will stay open. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. <laughs> Expect Virgin's airport lounges to remain. They're a vital part of the airline's overall appeal. But the club, Virgin's invitation-only equivalent to the Qantas chairman's lounge, has uh, has seen its last days. Basically, oh dear. Um, so boosting velocity. Uh, so the boosting velocity frequent flyer program. So Bain intends not only to keep the velocity. Velocity, that's quite a mouthful, isn't it? The Velocity Frequent Flyer Programme intact, along with all the points currently held by members, that's interesting, and the pricing architecture of redemptions, uh, but also to bring the Velocity and Virgin brands much closer together. Uh, so it's domestic only for now, short-range international to follow soon. Bain says it will bring back short-range international routes slowly as Australia opens up uh, COVID-safe corridors and travel bubbles. Uh, Long-range international is still much later um, uh, so the, the CEO says basically that Bain has made it clear at least in the short term it wants to keep uh, Scurra in the corner office given it's uh, sorry uh, sure sorry in the corner office given it's uh, his own work to date on the Virgin turnaround and uh, his long support uh, among staff and unions. Brisbane to remain as Virgin's base. I know there was a lot of talk, wasn't there, about them possibly uh, moving to a different home. So Bain has locked down a $200 million package of benefits with the state-owned Queensland Investment Corporation, which will keep Virgin Australia based in Brisbane. And so Wells Fargo files legal action to retrieve Virgin uh, Australia 737 engines which is which is entering uh, a different part of the story so there's lots of information uh, going on there that's um, you know it's, it's it's interesting stuff though isn't it I mean it, it's good that the uh, the airline has sort of found a way keeping to survive really yeah absolutely good to uh, see they're keeping the virgin brand there yeah I think that, is, that is a big name it is and it's very iconic so, isn't it although of course mm. you know it, it, it is I mean that is essentially what Richard Branson does is that he creates a product that is then sold some people rebrand don't they I mean if I use I, mm. I can use a radio station here in the UK that was used to be virgin radio it was then rebranded to absolute radio and now somebody else has um, basically opened virgin radio again so you know it's uh, it, I mean it's what he does isn't it but but um, it, as you say, it's an iconic brand, um, and um, yeah, not not entirely dissimilar to Acme Red, of course. No, so story uh, number two, Matt. I've been looking forward to this all night. I think uh, so is Nev. Uh, story number two <laughs> for you, Matt. Obviously, is um, well. Just carry on, Matt. I'm yes. looking forward to this. Yes, this this should be an interesting uh, story. So it's, it's an unusual source, this really, uh, given that story number two is <laughs> yeah. always. Um, 
Uh, it, well, it's usually a Ryanair story, let's be honest. So the headline from the New York Post uh, says, Ryanair probes pilots after video shows them operating throttle with rubber chicken. <laughs> You're right there, Carlos. Uh, <laughs> a pair of Brainbird Ryan... Oh, dear. It's a bit harsh. Uh, a pair of... Bra- I see what they did there. Pun. Nev, you'll enjoy this. Uh <laughs> A pair of Brainbird Ryanair pilots uh, ruffled some feathers. Oh dear, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this. Ruffled some feathers after one was captured on video using a rubber chicken to operate the plane's throttle, according to a report. The footage captured by one of the Boeing 737 pilots shows the first officer using the red and yellow faux chicken with the mouth agape to push the throttle forward. He also uh, is shown squeezing the toy to make it squeak, prompting the crew to burst out laughing as passengers boarded the flight into Birmingham. Uh, (laughs) The co-pilot is also seen sticking his tongue out and crossing his eyes, uh, and one snap shows... uh, 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 rosary beads uh, strung round two engine throttles. That seems a little bit unsafe. The Irish budget carrier airlines uh, brass have launched an investigation into the unprofessional cockpit actions. Uh, these uh, pictures and video show crew on the ground in a parked aircraft with the engine shut down while the images are very unprofessional. The actions in them pose no risk and safety was never compromised. A Ryanair rep told the outlet we encourage our crew to enjoy their work however we expect them to remain professional at all times and we are investigating the matter further aviation safety consultant david gleaves also said the pilots didn't run afoul of safety considerations <laughs> i can't carry on that's it i, I i'm out i'm out uh, now actually there are I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pop i'm gonna pop some photographs off here so so these are the pictures that uh, basically the new york post slash the sun newspaper are talking about um there we go yes it's clearly a rubber chicken uh, <laughs> i mean i i i mean it's perhaps it's the, the issue here is it's not the professional image that you look for but uh, as they do clearly state in the story none of this was taking place whilst they were in the air certainly from how the article reads i assume i haven't misunderstood that yeah okay so that's fine right um i mean it's it's the thing the thing that is it's all done in it's all done in jest and it's all done in in good humor Mm. and in this current climate we're in you know covid blah 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 you know everyone needs something to pick them up and this is this is brilliant but that it's not it's not the way that everyone sees this as being no i, I, think. I, I as i say I, I think my um yeah i yeah i don't know um it's just yeah sorry i'm having a few problems with my chat room again i don't know what's going on in the studio again oh, let's have a look at the chat room yeah uh, absolutely somebody got, fit- um, uh, uh, right, so Rich, Rich from Sheffield says, "Did he charge extra for bringing the chicken on board?" <laughs> I think with Probably, Brian Air, that yeah. could be. Um, uh, could that be that is an issue. Yes, uh, one of the interesting. Uh, oh, so we've got um, Alex Robinson is saying, "Where's the butterfly valve?" That's obviously very serious. Actually, uh, John <laughs> Jester, being a Boeing pilot, he actually does point out that both engines are obviously shut. Yeah, down. exactly. So, so I mean, this is definitely not. Um, 
<laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, Ra- Ra- uh, Rakon has just, he's just tuned in without any context. This looks very disturbing. Yes, I can see how that might be a problem. Uh, I mean, I don't know. How do we feel about this, guys? Seriously. I well, mean, Alan, it- Alan White sums it up in the chat room straight away, Matt. Yeah, this is true. I mean, yeah, if this was all the tabloids have to write about, then we <laughs> must be really stuck for a story. I, I mean, yes, he, he's completely right. I mean, I, I suppose the, the thing that bothers me most about this story is I actually quite like the fact that, you know, the pilots and everyone are all getting on. It means there's going to be a nice atmosphere on board and all that kind of thing. But why on earth were they published on places on like media. on social ma- media? That's mm. the, the thing. I mean, if anybody's learned any lesson, was it, was it the easy EasyJet pilots a, a few years back where they'd done a, an Instagram filter or something silly of, of, of uh, some character dancing while they were flying the aircraft? And, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know, and their biggest mistake there was pushing, um, you know, was, was pushing it out into the wider world. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I like the fact that, you know, the crews are all getting on and enjoying themselves, but why on earth would you publish it publicly what is wrong with people seriously what, what did your crew have on board uh, your flight yesterday nev did they have any um i well when i had a quick look in the cockpit they had a bottle of water uh, oh, okay. and that was about it really so yeah <laughs> <clears throat> i i to be honest, i know this is going to sound very pompous and poor of me so i i apologize in advance um yes i know the aircraft was shut down and there was no risks to safety but the airline, well, actually in Ryanair's case, probably the, the pilots themselves spend an awful lot of money on their uniform uh, trying to look professional. Yeah, as, true. As if they are really there to do the job properly, which they are. Of course they are. I just think in today's world of social media, uh, with the aviation uh, industry coming in for a bit of a battering anyway, yeah. uh, this probably wasn't the right thing to do and i do concede it's a bit of i like a laugh you know the same as the next person but uh yeah i just thought that was probably going a bit far somehow yeah and Mm. as i say i'm completely 100 percent with you but it's just like you know by all means enjoy yourselves but why on earth would you publish that and put it out in the wider domain you know i mean i i dare say that with that company like with many there are people sitting there who are trawling the internet for the, the for the dodgy pictures that you put on while especially with, with airlines where image is so important do you know what i mean so it's like mm. you know somebody somebody out there a manager somewhere is no doubt trawl, trawling like tiktok and uh facebook and all that kind of thing for stupid things that you've done whilst in uniform that could be you know misconstrued as unprofessional in a time when everybody's nervous and and that's really also the other thing is hr have got enough to deal with at the moment yes i think they've got their hands full yes (laughs) (laughs) yes i agree i I think uh so i mean moving on yeah mash mash has got a great point about uh sorry just very quickly in the chat room mash has got a great point about saying that uh obviously a lot of these stories are clickbait and i think the final comment i think on this should be from chris griggs who said no with ba it would be a rubber quail the quality, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and on that bombshell, anyway, yeah. and on that bombshell, we're going <laughs> to we're going to stick with our next story for Nev in the UK, and this one is another low cost carrier with some worrying news for me. 
Yeah, it's a bit of a shame this. This is on simpleflying.com and it says that uh, uh, UK-based low-cost carrier EasyJet has today, today, which was uh, a couple of days ago actually now, uh, revealed plans to close three of its British bases, uh, which are at uh, London South End, Stansted and Newcastle. Uh, the airline is in consultation with workers' unions regarding the proposals, as well as discussing the proposed layoff of around 30% of its workforce. Uh, EasyJet has uh, begun consultation with representatives of its employees, including Balpa and Unite, on the future of all its UK-based pilots and crew members. As part of the discussions, the proposals put forward include the potential closure of three of its UK bases. Uh, and in a statement to sent to Simple Flying, uh, EasyJet's uh, CEO, Johan Longren, says uh, these are very difficult proposals to put forward in what is an un unprecedented and difficult time for the airline and the industry as a whole. We are focused on doing what is right for the company and its long-term health and success so that we can protect jobs going forward. Unfortunately, the lower demand environment means that we need fewer aircraft and have less opportunity for work for our people. We are committed to working constructively with our employee re uh, representatives across the network with the aim of minimizing job losses as far as possible. These proposals are no reflection on our people at Stansted, Southend and Newcastle, all have worked uh, tirelessly and have been fully committed to providing great service for our customers. The airline says that all affected employees have been informed and full support is being given to its people during this time. Early on in the crisis, uh, EasyJet affirmed that it could be looking to act as many as 30% of its workers. Uh, the loss of jobs, which amounts to approximately 5,000 positions, is also under consultation with the unions. Uh, Balpa has revealed further details on the shape of this, which it said could include as many as 727 of the airline's pilots. In the statement provided to Simple Flying, the airline noted that it was not expecting air travel demand to return much before 2023. It says that as such, it has to take decisive action to remove cost and non-critical expenditure from the business at every level. It may be that we've not seen the full extent of the EasyJet uh, right sizing yet uh, as the airline closed its statement, saying that EasyJet will continue to review its network and bases to ensure that they are optimized in the current environment. The airline has been attempting to weather the crisis, recently revealing a sale and leaseback arrangement for six A320neos. It has pushed back delivery of new jets and secured a £600 million loan to prop up its struggling finances. However, it's not been an easy ride for the airline. Internal struggles have further compounded by the UK's quarantine requirements, which as we uh, know today, have largely been lifted across most parts of Europe. And today the airline was forced to cancel its planned flight to Greece after the country closed its borders uh, to the UK for a further couple of weeks. I must say they're, they're being very pessimistic if they're saying that the airline is not expecting to see travel demand return much before 2023. Um, mm. Now, obviously, we have left the, the market back in, what, December, January of, of this year as an all-time high. Um, people want to travel, and I think we will see a quite a big return to leisure travel. Uh, there's no question about it. It's been very, very difficult. Unless, of course, we have another big moment, a, a second wave of it, as it's being called, of the coronavirus. So uh, let's see what happens. But I, I think everybody's being a bit pessimistic if they're saying that 2023 is going to be um, where we're going to be before it gets back to the same level that we left it at. Now, yeah, I keep... 
keep constant looks on the on the EasyJet app on my phone and as as mm-hmm. yet the the flights that i've got booked for september are still still going ahead yeah uh, interesting enough so alex robinson is actually sort of backing that up a little bit really you say my company is also saying 2023 personally i i think such forecasting is a bit dubious um and uh, rich from sheffield is saying that um businesses including airline companies are using covid as an excuse to trim workforces but will rehire as demand increases and do you know what actually i mean that sounds really cynical but i must Admit this, that was kind of the point. Well, kind of the thing that I was going to sort of put to you, Nev, is uh, I mean, do you think that it is basically that they're, they're using this as an opportunity to, to trim everything down, maybe? Uh, and and use, it, using COVID well, as an excuse, basically? There might be a bit of that going on, but uh, the airlines have some very good unions in the form mm. of Alpa and Unite, mm. and I don't think that they would allow that to happen somehow. No. I mean, there, might, there might be accusations of that, and there might be some people that they're looking to get rid of, and they're trying to find an excuse to do that, mm. but they're mm. treading on pretty thin ice to do that these days, yeah. especially. So I, I think that, um, well, I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm just hoping that things get back to normal, well, mm. the new yeah. normal, whatever that is, um, within the next 12 months. I know that's yeah. probably a bit optimistic, but uh, I would like to say that by the end of the summer of next year, uh, as long as we don't have another big moment, mm. uh, we should be in a much better place. But of yeah. course, who knows? We just don't know about We don't this. know. And, and uh, Alan is saying, he's sort of agreeing, basically saying that, uh, uh, that this is true, Rich, a good opportunity to force change under the pandemic banner. Um, you know, and again, Alex is saying that, uh, you know, this is pretty much, you know, the way it's coming across. I must admit that's, that is personally how I feel a bit as well. I, I'm worried that this is being used as an excuse, if you see what I mean. But I, I want you to be right, Nev. You have no idea how much I want you to be right. <laughs> yes. OK, time to move on. Yeah, next story. This, uh, this one is uh, using some bits from Symbol Flying. And uh, this is all about the Max, because we can't do a show without really talking about the 737 Max. So uh, the Boeing 737 Max has completed its test flights under the supervision of the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA. And Boeing and uh, a 737 Max 7 aircraft, the smaller brother of the Max 8 involved in the accidents was put through its paces for a total of 10 hours over the course of three days this week. The beleaguered Boeing 77 Max has completed its recertification tests, edging the narrowbody jet closer to the end of its grounding, which has so far lasted for more than 15, wow, is it that long? 15 months. The US Federal Aviation Administration and Boeing began tests on Monday this week and announced the completion of the test flights late on, or late late on Thursday. So although the flight test took place over three days, the total flying time amounted to just over 10 hours, during which time a Boeing 737 MAX 7 was put through its paces around the Seattle area. The aircraft, registered November 7201 Sierra, is a two-year-old MAX 7, which will eventually be delivered to Southwest Airlines. The first day of tests saw two separate flights uh, take off. The first departed from Boeing Field in Seattle. The aircraft flew directly to Moses Lake, uh, where it underwent some maneuvering exercises before landing at Boeing's Moses Lake facility. The flight lasted just over two hours. The same day, the plane took off again from Moses Lake and performed several relatively low-altitude exercises before heading back to Seattle. The flying time was around about 45 minutes. 
Uh, day two, uh, two uh, June the 30th, saw the aircraft take off from Seattle's Boeing Field. This time the aircraft passed over Moses Lake before heading southeast across Idaho, performing some high-altitude maneuvers over Nez Pierce. Uh, Clearwater National Forest. It uh, flew for almost four hours before hand landing back at Moses Lake. The final day of flying, Wednesday the 1st of July, saw the Boeing 737 MAX 7 take off from Seattle, this time heading south over Mount Rainer National Park. It completed some tight turns at altitude before undertaking a series of interesting low-level maneuvers in the skies above southern Washington State. The flight landed back at Seattle for two hours and 17 minutes later, but what happens next? So the FAA now needs to compile and review all the data from these test flights, as well as approving proposed procedures for training pilots on the type. And of course, certification by the FAA will only mean the aircraft can operate in the US, whilst we may see some US airlines resuming services before the end of the year, similar certification will be required from other regulators before air aircraft can fly elsewhere in the world. So we've also heard on the Simple Flying podcast that the FAA chief was one of the pilots to fly and test this aircraft as well. But some other news on the MAX. So Air Italy, uh, they flew a Boeing 737 MAX from Italy to Budapest for maintenance and storage. Obviously got special, um, a special request for that one to do that. And uh, it says here as well that uh, Spirit Aerosystems, uh, Boeing key, uh, Boeing a key and supply manage output Spirit Aerosystems is arguably the most important supplier uh, to the 737 Max program. The company, which was spun off from Boeing in 2005, builds a fuselage for each 737 Max, along with other components like engine pylons and thrust reversers. Most of 2019, Spirit Aerosystems uh, built 737 Max ship sets at a rate of 52 per month even uh, after Boeing reduced its output uh, to 42 per month. In early February, the partners agreed that Spirit Aerosystems would deliver 216 737 MAX ship sets to Boeing during 2020, an average of just 18 per month. Earlier this month, Spirit Aerosystems announced that on June the 4th, Boeing had directed it to pause work on the 737 MAX ships and avoid starting work on 16 others. And Spirit Aerosystems revealed last week that it will now build just 72 ship sets for the 737 program in 2020, of which 35 have already been delivered, and this implies a significant cut to Boeing's own production plans for the next six months. Mm. It's good to see these finally getting close to obviously being recertified to fly. It'll be interesting to see how long it takes before they are allowed to fly in and around Europe. So, I mean, forgive my naivety uh, here. I, I presume so. Okay, as you're saying, it's the FAA that have been carrying out these tests. And if they turn around and say, yeah, everything's all fine, do, do, does it mean basically the European equivalent has to basically do all these tests themselves? or will well, they, they... they have said that the EASA want to uh, certify it independently of the FAA. Um, really? Because so, normally... Uh, yeah, EASA would um, take what the FAA said, and also uh, Transport Canada as well, I believe. So, yeah, I, I, I think that this this has some way to go. Um, now, assuming all is well, uh, and EASA and everybody else is happy with it, that'll be fine. But um, yeah, there, there's there could be some hurdles yet. Uh, let's see. Hmm. Interesting. 
Hmm. Don't know how. It'd be good to see it back. It'd be good to see it back. Yeah. So, story. Moving on to uh, the next story, then, uh, Matt, and we're going back to another airline we talk about quite frequently on the show. Uh, Yes, absolutely. So we're off to the states uh, for the coverage of this one um, that is now giving me an ad blocker. So just talk about yourselves (laughs) for a moment while I while I disable that. Oh, it's all gone horribly wrong. Um, Right, okay, bear with me a moment. Uh, (laughs) Don't run on pages on this site, exclude, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, have a loud cough. There we go, so it's the Seattle Times. Nobody will know, it's fine. Uh, We'll fix it in post, shall we? Uh, The (laughs) the Seattle Times is the website, and the headline is, uh, it is Norwegian's Air, Norwegian Air scrubs $5.5 billion order for Boeing Max uh, 787 jets. So this is uh, sort of leading on from that. Norwegian Air Shuttle ASA has notified Boeing that it is terminating purchase agreements for all 97 of its remaining jets on order with the US plane maker. The cancellation covers 92 of Boeing 737 MAX planes and five 787 Dreamliners as well as related service agreements, um, Norwegian said in a statement on Monday. According to market pricing data from aircraft valuation company Avatas, the orders were worth around about 55 billion dollars after standard discounts. Talks with Boeing have not led to an agreement with a reasonable compensation, Norwegian said in a statement. Uh, So uh, in addition, the airline said it filed a legal claim seeking the return of the pre-delivery payments for the planes plus compensation for losses relating to the MAX's long grounding. Uh, For Boeing, the termination royals a key customer relationship, even if Norwegian's financial troubles had cast doubt on its ability to take all of the planes. Uh, Norwegian converted de- uh, converted debt to uh, equity and sold new shares last month in order to get access to government loan guarantees in its home market, saving it from collapse after the COVID-19 crisis gutted demand for air travel. Boeing couldn't immediately be reached for comment. The MAX has been grounded since March 2019 following two deadly crashes. Boeing on Monday completed the first test. Blah, 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 blah. We've heard all that bit. So, uh, yeah, so the uh, Seattle Times is leasing it, but it's saying this story was originally published at Bloomberg.com. Hmm. I mean, yeah. are we a bit surprised with this one? I mean, because, I mean, I mean, Norwegian have been in trouble for a while, haven't they? And... Mm. Um, I don't know. Is I'm, not, it? I'm not surprised. But I mean, the only thing is, do, do you think they lose their deposits? I think they might do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I mean, this is what they're filing um, the, the 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 lawsuit for, essentially, because I don't uh, mm. I don't think they they they're particularly comfortable with it. I mean, I don't know though. Given the delays, then there must be, they must be entitled to something, um, given the fact that you know. <sighs> You know, do, I don't know. I don't know when they were. Did, I think did it Boeing must be running out of money. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know the answer to that question. I don't think anybody knows the answer to that question. That's that's the thing, isn't it? But it, it's it's a sort of uh, hmm. It's uh, a bit of, yes. Um, feedback on the previous story has just come in actually from one of my. Uh, Industry colleagues, shall we say? Okay, yes. Um, and uh, he says, um, uh, with EasyJet talking about um, not getting back to normal until 2023, he said, "Have you tried booking a holiday in uh, Turkey for this summer uh, for hot hotels and inclusive tours? It is absolutely rammed, mm. and yeah. uh, you you cannot mm. get rooms for love nor money at the moment. So um, uh, we'll have to see, won't we? That's proof a point. 
Yeah. It does, yeah. I mean, mm. uh, mind you, I, I mean, they were saying it's like, I think one of the other articles I was reading was saying don't read too much into that at this stage because it's just everybody's a little bit overexcited about the ability to go and um, um, about, to, you know, to, to go and book, you know, book. Actually, flights. guys, staying on the subject of holidays and booking holidays, one thing I did notice last night or the night before, I think it might have been last night, I think I said to you, Matt, um, earlier on, uh, early on in the week, I booked holiday insurance, our recurrent annual holiday insurance for this year, because it runs out uh, soon. Yes. And that the price of holiday insurance has definitely gone up. Has it? From last really? year. Really? Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Uh, yeah. I, it's sort of in interesting. I mean, do you think we'll ever see uh, uh, basically Norwegian becoming an all Airbus fleet as a result of this? What do you reckon? Hmm. It depends, doesn't it? Because on the one hand, you've got uh, a lot of EasyJet uh, layoffs coming up. But of course, they'll all be um, qualified EasyJet flight and cabin crew. Um, so they would be ready to go mm. uh, if Norwegian had a Airbus fleet, for example. But it's I, I think we're in a really difficult position at the moment because suddenly changing fleets... Um, must be a massive undertaking with mm. crew, spares, parts, training, maintenance schedules, slot restrictions. Oh, it must be horrific. I so, mean, but yeah, it, it, it does know. say in the story, though, of course, getting rid of um, maintenance contracts, meaning that cutting ties with Boeing entirely, possibly. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. is is a is a sort of a. a a concern, really. So, so I think that's something options they're on the table, is what they're saying. Uh, I mean, their info page actually does show an order for thirty three twenty ones, LRs. Does it? Hmm. Okay. Deliveries due to begin in twenty twenty one, according to. Now that's um, all about the um, North Atlantic routes, isn't it? Presumably mm. for them. Uh, yeah. So, which is obviously the uh, again Norwegian one, the first uh, ever airlines apart from. Laker probably mm. to offer genuinely Ooh, low, low cost, uh, low cost um, <laughs> North Atlantic travel. Indeed. Anyway, we need to move on. So moving on to the next story, Nev, uh, um, you've got some good news actually for uh, for BA. Yes, we have. Makes a nice change. It's on SimpleFlying.com, and it says that British Airways' first Boeing 787-10 has finally been delivered after a half a year delay, and the aircraft arrived at uh, London Heathrow at 11.50 on June the 28th. Uh, it's been a long wait for this aircraft. It was first due to be delivered to uh, the British flag carrier in January with the entry uh, into service targeted for February. However, the plane wasn't delivered in January or February, March, April or May. Now, around half a year later, the new aircraft is finally on its first journey across the Atlantic uh, to its new home where it has now arrived. Mind you, if they had it delivered it early, it wouldn't have been a lot of use, I wouldn't have thought, under the current <laughs> circumstances. Well, but, quite. Uh, there you go. Anyway, the, the, it's finally here, uh, and the, uh, the aircraft it, uh, came over uh, the North Atlantic and was cruising at 41,000 feet, and uh, it came into Heathrow, as I say, at 11.50. Uh, the aircraft reg was registered in the United Kingdom on Friday, June 26th, According to records from the CAA, the British flag carrier's second 787-10 uh, has already completed a couple of test flights. In total, British Airways has 12-10s, um, which will complement its existing fleet of 12-8s uh, and 18-9s. I didn't realise I had that many, actually. So, uh, Alex Cruz, uh, British Airways chairman and CEO, said uh, the delivery of our first Dash 10 aircraft marks another significant milestone in our 6.5 billion customer 
investment plan. Uh, the aircraft delivers a 25% reduction in CO2 emissions compared to the aircraft it replaces. It will also offer greater comfort for our customers uh, as it features uh, latest generation seats in all cabins. So what can you expect from this aircraft? Well, there's not much difference really, but there's one huge exception. Uh, the new uh, Dash 10 is the first BA uh, Boeing aircraft to be delivered with the new Club Suite cabin installed. The Dash 10s will come in a four-class cabin layout. At the front of the aircraft is the uh, airline's exclusive eight-seat first cabin. This features the same seat found in the airline's Dash 9 aircraft in a one-to-one configuration. Uh, behind the first cabin, taking up almost half the aircraft's floor space, are the Club Suite cabins. Uh, this consists of 48 forward-facing suites, also in a one-to-one configuration. Uh, then finally, taking up the rear of the cabin are the World Traveller and World Traveller Plus cabins. World Traveller Plus, uh, the airline's which is the airline's premium economy class, has 35 seats in a 232 configuration, and World Traveller has 165 seats. These are in a 333 configuration, except for the rear three rows that are 232 due to the aircraft tapering at the end. Given the uncertainty surrounding the British Airways schedule as a result of the current situation, it's unclear when the aircraft will operate its first revenue flight for the airline. So we'll see. So this is uh, uh, replacing the 767s and ultimately some uh, 747s and some 777s, I would imagine, as well. But uh, a fine aircraft, and actually in its stretched form, uh, which is the Dash 10, it really looks the business. I, I saw it arrive at Heathrow the other day. It's a very smart-looking aircraft, I must say. Uh, also, uh, Rich from Sheffield is, is saying that uh, Lima Alpha and Lima Bravo are both at LHR, apparently. Oh, good. Yes. Yeah. I have to say, Nev, I have to say, those club seats look really nice. They do look quite comfortable, yeah. don't they? <laughs> yeah. Perhaps I'll we'll have to save up the um, the funds if we can have a, another go on one can, of those. Can, can you do Ooh. points? Can you do that with points? Is that how this works? Well, you could do, but um, I haven't got many points at the moment. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Spent him doing other sorts of flying, but uh, I mean, don't get yeah. me wrong, that, that first does look really good, but yeah. honestly, the pictures of that club that uh, Matt put up there that were on that story, those club seats look in really, really comfortable. That is, a, I yeah. mean, BA have really gone up in the uh, in the old uh, I think they've had to, to, to compete yeah. with the, the Middle East carriers, really. Uh, mm. they, they were well behind, to be honest with you, so that they've done a great job of that. So, um, yeah, be interesting to see how that goes. So, moving on to the next story, and uh, Armando's going to bring us this next story. And this one, we move across to the US for, and uh, it's regarding SkyWest and Mesa Airlines. From AirlineGeeks.com, two US regional carriers are largely prevailing as victors in a battle for survival as airlines globally continue to weather an unprecedented downturn in travel demand. Phoenix-based Mesa Airlines and St. George, Utah-based SkyWest Airlines have both posted profits for the last quarter, while larger airlines have reported losses in the millions of dollars per day. This achievement boils down to one contingency for these two regional airlines, contracts. Air travel numbers are re re rebounding in the U.S., albeit gradually. As projected by many industry experts and leaders, domestic travel is returning first as many international restrictions remain in place. Smaller regional carriers are at the forefront of this recovery as most of their operations take place here in the contiguous U.S. 
Mesa Airlines, which was founded in 1980, is one of the few remaining independent domestic regional operators. It is not a direct subsidiary of any major carrier, nor do any maintain a controlling stake. Mesa Airlines operates for both United Airlines as its at its Washington, D.C. and Houston hubs and American Airlines in Phoenix and Dallas. The regional airline has dived into many unique business ventures over the years, from services in China to plans to operate a fleet of 737 freighters. At the helm of this regional powerhouse is Jonathan Ornstein, the company's CEO. Uh, so he said in a recent interview, some of the regionals have had trouble and probably won't make it. There are three big independents, Mesa, Republic, and SkyWest. We should be okay. A few regional airlines have already lost this battle. Alaska's Ravenair declared Chapter 11 bankruptcy in April of 2020, immediately axing all of its staff and ceasing operations. Also, Compass Airlines, which operated for Delta and American on the West Coast, ceased operations also in April. Owning your own regionals was the flavor of the month, said Ornstein. The number of regionals has diminished incredibly. Both American and Delta operate their own regional subsidiary. So, the pilot shortage. U.S. regional operators have been at the forefront of the pilot shortage, offering countless incentive incentives for onboarding new hire pilots. It will be a long time since there is a pilot shortage again, said Ornstein, the CEO. This will have solved the pilot shortage for some time. Everybody was chasing pilots. The pipeline was so tight. The 1,500-hour rule was counterproductive. That dynamic has changed quite a lot. The so-called 1,500-hour rule uh, requires first officers flying for commercial airlines to have at least 1,500 hours of accrued flight time instead of the previously required 250 hours here in the U.S. This law went into effect in 2013. Ornstein noted that the demand for pilots is contingent upon when passengers feel comfortable flying again. Then there's essential air service contracts. So many small air carriers earn their revenue purely on EAS or essential air service contracts with the federal government to provide flights to underserved markets. Mesa Airlines does not have plans to independently, independently do this outside of its work with the major airlines. I don't think that we would pursue that. We are looking at other types of opportunities. There are cheap airlines around the world and pe that people want to work for. Ornstein noted after being asked whether Mesa would pursue some of these contracts. Mesa used to be the biggest EAS operator in the world. The EAS business is not profitable right now, he concluded. Airlines like uh, Silver Airways, Cape Air, Boutique Air use smaller turboprop aircraft exclusively to run EAS routes with little demand. Uh, Mesa uh, was also eyeing 737 cargo operations, which are undoubtedly the aviation industry's bread and butter right now with traditionally passenger carriers such as Sun Country pursuing uh, cargo contracts. Mesa is also looking into this and is actively hiring 737 fleet managers to begin the process of acquiring the jet for freight. The airline is also training the pilots on the aircraft, a process that started back in May. Uh, Ornstein said, we are moving forward with these plans. He added that the cargo realm has immediate opportunities. The cargo world is... One of the few areas where there's growth, 
He said, demand for air freight has continued to stay strong, even as economic activity dwindled around the world with many passenger-focused airlines picking up some of the slack to transport health supplies around the world. In this particular interview, he goes on to say that nobody is taking the business for granted. Everyone will be a little bit more cautious. Everyone had thought this industry had, has changed and we don't have control over everything. We will be a little bit more cautious, think through things more carefully, and the airline industry will never be Coca-Cola. There will always be challenges. Ornstein also noted that there will always be holes to fill for regional operators and that it, Mesa, is prepared to fill them. No one is going to take the business for granted. Everyone will be a little bit more cautious. Uh, according to the CEO, Mesa is, ex is examining a wide array of opportunities for the future. Uh, we are looking at international opportunities. He didn't say what these plans would look like or where they would be implemented. But moving, so moving forward, he said that the company has one main goal, which is to jump on new opportunities as they present themselves while keeping his workers employed. Uh, Mesa Airlines reported a $14 million profit for the second quarter of 2020. I mean, it's uh, we were actually talking uh, uh, during that, actually. I had no idea they were so old, Carlos. I mean, they're, they're, sort of, they're both sort of been around a long time. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd heard of SkyWest and I've heard, heard of Mesa Airlines, and I thought that Mesa was, was relatively kind of new or fresh airline, but Mesa actually started life back in 1980, and Sky West is even uh, older. Sky West actually started before me and you were born, Matt. 1972, Sky oh, West Airlines started. Wow. Uh, I was started life. 11 years older. <laughs> <laughs> that's not possible, Nev, surely. <laughs> wow, okay. Well, that's killed yeah, the conversation, hasn't it? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, going back to the story, um, obviously it's good. Posting profits is obviously good, especially in, in the kind of current climate that we're in now. Um, but um, I think with, with the airline, you know, with, in the US, you've got, all, you've got so many different airlines now, and there's already so many different kind of sub-carriers that are all in the kind of mix together that um, it'll be interesting to see who's going to be the biggest um, winner when all this corona rubbish is all over and done with. Profit-wise, anyway. Yeah, and, and of course, uh, one of the things that he, he brought up during that, of course, was the, um, the and it's this conversation we keep coming back to, isn't it? Air freight is one of the few things that has mm. really sort of weirdly thrived, hasn't it, during all this, I suppose, because everybody's having everything delivered all of a sudden, um, you know, but... Um, it is one of those things. I'm just going to pop to the chat room for uh, very briefly, if that's okay, because um, uh, Tanya is a little late, shall we say, to the party, um, and uh, Lane's got an, an excellent. But everybody's doing what they always do, which is c c congratulating or saying hello to everyone. So Tanya's arrived, as has Alan Loveday, uh, and uh, Lane has a good point here, uh, saying Alan and Tanya both coming up late, you know, coming in late at the same time. That doesn't look suspicious at all, does it? <laughs> I mean, honestly, oh, yeah, and they did dear. literally both appear at the same time. I mean, you know, let, let's Matt, start a rumour, shall Matt, we? This, this is a, this is a family show. <laughs> is it right? Okay, something's gone wrong here. Oh, I've lost all I've lost all visuals. There we go. Oh, <laughs> it's all good. Family show. Family yeah, show. It's my fat fingers mashing the touch screen again. Shall we move on? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go on to the next story, and we're going to move closer to uh, to home for me and Matt, actually. Oh, good. And uh, we're going to go over to uh, the 
local paper here in the east of England, the Eastern Daily Press, or oh, the no. EDP. The EDP, <laughs> as we like to call it here. And uh, this story is all about London, Norwich, uh, um, sorry, uh, Norwich International Airport. See what you did there. The, uh, <laughs> so the uh, holiday flights to Sun are back on from Norwich Airport after airlines resume routes. So people can fly now direct to Tenerife and on to worldwide destinations from Norwich uh, Airport after TUI and KLM resumed services. Norwich Airport boss Richard Pace announced the good news, also adding that the subject to government approval on air bridges, flights could also be on to Bulgas and Bulgaria with Balkan holidays as early as July the 16th. KLM will resume daily flights from Norwich uh, from August the 3rd, that's a very popular route indeed over to Amsterdam, and TUI uh, to Tenerife from October the 8th, and bookings are available now online. Logan Air is also starting to fly to Edinburgh from Norwich again from September, that's good news, with dates to be confirmed and is increasing its frequency uh, on of its Aberdeen route. The airport was also confirmed. Mr Pace, Managing Director of Air at Norwich Airport, said it's great news to have KLM flying daily seven days a week from Norwich again, bringing back our worldwide connectivity uh, to more than 500 destinations from Schiphol. Uh, from September, we will hopefully see the service increasing, but we need to get going first, he said. TUI uh, is resuming its weekly Tenerife service from October, meaning people can take a holiday again. And he says um, we've been running flights to Aberdeen six days a week throughout lockdown. He says it's definitely safe to travel. He urges people to go onto the website to see all the measures that they've taken and and. Uh, do ask people to wear face coverings when they enter the terminal. Uh, we think Norwich Airport has a positive future and we've had a rocky few months, but hopefully people will see their regional airport as an asset. It's not a, as crowded as other airports and there is the ease of travel, check-in and parking and that we have a very positive offering. Mr Pace said the new terminal scanners used to check passengers' temperatures were not now going to be brought in at Norwich. He also did indicate work had resumed on the £7 million KLM engineering hangar halted during lockdown and it was now a full steam ahead. Most flights were stopped from Norwich Airport with just helicopter services to the gas platforms and essential routes to Aberdeen remaining throughout lockdown and as well um, our air ambulance is also based there. Uh, KLM's daily route to Schiphol is vital for business but many holidaymakers also use it as a gateway to fly anywhere in the world. The flight time from Norwich is less than an hour so it cuts your journey time to another UK airport such as Heathrow or Gatwick. Flights are bookable now as well as package holidays with TUI and uh, with families able to use the service for a break during the October half term. Now I looked earlier on today um, after I'd seen this story in the show notes and I Wait, what? Hang on, prices. you said you read the show notes? Yeah, I do, Matt. <laughs> um, I actually looked Hell. to... I've I, I done that theoretical booking process again where I went to book me, oh, uh, no. me Matt and Nev a flight oh. uh, to... Where, where, are know, where are we going? Where are we going? We're going to, uh, to, to uh, you know, Aberdeen. Oh, right, okay. To Scotland. Yeah. Uh, now, Nev, you obviously flew to... Uh, did you go into Edinburgh this week? Yes, you? I did. Yeah, roughly, Nev kind of ballpark figure what what was your return cost flight with uh, with our nation's flag carrier um well the the regular economy cost flight was about 125 pounds return 
Okay, you can treble that each for me you and Matt to go to Aberdeen. My and that, that is looking at various times of the day and on two different airlines that uh, are going from from Norwich to, to, to Aberdeen. Bit much. Yeah. Mm. Actually, there's a good point in the chat room here, not slightly off topic here, but uh, saying that uh, Rich from Sheffield is saying on flight radar, Ryanair have really increased flights to the Canaries over the last couple of days. Uh, but, oh, hello, my camera's gone all funny. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but, it, but uh, is stuff open uh, in the islands? That's a good point. I don't know. I, I think Puerto Ventura, I think there's stuff going on there. Um, and one or two of the other Canary Islands, I think there's there's things happening. So, yeah, and of course people have got second homes there as well. So that's uh, ah, well, that'd might... be a good reason to go out there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think you know, going back to the story, I think it's great. You know that that Norwich are obviously increasing services and stuff to and from the different destinations. But I really, I just really, really wish that the the airlines that fly in and out of there would just kind of bring those prices down to a a level which you know is affordable to everyone i mean it'll never ever happen but you know what no. we what we really need is a ryanair or someone like that to go in there don't, oh blimey don't we? i mean it's i mean the airport's big enough isn't it it could it yeah, could take 100%, it yeah. yeah yeah absolutely yeah. i mean yeah. I, I can't see it happening anytime soon i'll be honest <laughs> when, when you look when you look at the because I, I know through various contacts that the load figures for the tui flights um to the canary and you know to the mm. various balearic islands and stuff and they're full. They're yeah. always full. Yeah. Before pre-COVID, obviously, yeah. the, the flights were full. So for Ryanair or EasyJet to, to put a, one or two flights or three flights a week out, out of there, oh, that would be, yeah, <laughs> yeah if yeah, you're listening. Yeah, but producers, producers John says if they do that, then it will immediately become, obviously, the new London Norwich airport. London Norwich, obviously. exactly. <laughs> uh, as, uh, by the way, uh, a bit of love for the, the baseball cap here, Carlos. Um, it's uh, the the lovely uh, the lovely Tanya is saying love the Biggin Hill cap. There you are, look. Yes, mementos from a from a good day out. That ah, we yes. Had, you, we? Do you remember when we were allowed out in public? Do you remember those mm. days? Uh, but yes, it's. it's... Well, I could could move the camera down here actually, and you could um, see. Oh the dear! No situation. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Of, yes. Yes. Yeah, but we'll, that's... Yeah, yeah, we'll move on from that, shall we? But anyway, yes. moving on to the next story. And uh, the next one is a bit of a tech story because we know that Matt loves tech stories on the show. Uh, indeed, yes, absolutely. So this is on Runway Girl Network, which I know uh, Nev is... Uh, you, you've, sp- you've interviewed her, haven't you, if I, if I recall correctly? Yes, indeed. Uh, so, we'll, yes, the... Uh, so, uh, Runway Girl Network uh, is the website and... Uh, the headline is Virtual Aircraft Trolley with Touch-Free Payments to Roll Out. Now, I like the sound of this. So as the aviation industry seeks to restart after COVID-19-driven suspensions, airlines are looking hard uh, at what the passenger experience might look like with attempts to minimise the risks of spreading SARS-slash-CoV-2 coronavirus, blah, 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 uh, are currently very much on the menu. Uh, and so to Blue Box, the uh, wireless in-flight entertainment hardware provider, which is working in a new partnership with onboard retailing specialist retail in motion um, itself part of catering giant lsg to remove quite literal touch points from onboard purchasing via offline touchless payments uh, with the physical menu card and in-flight magazine currently viewed as uh, fomite hotspots the 
uh, idea is instead that browsing, ordering and car payments happen on passengers' own devices via the RIM app uh, installed on the Blue Box Wow Wireless IFE box and the crew in the gallery are then notified for a contact minimize order drop-off. While Blue Box already had what business development director David Brown characterizes to Runway Girl Network as a basic touchless payment system, its decision to in integrate with the advanced capabilities of the RAM software uh, and the LSG company's expertise allows a much greater range of benefits, particularly around limited contact food delivery on board at airports of replenishment and management information. Uh, it's something we've picked up on fairly recently, Brown tells RGN. Uh, airlines, as part of the recovery program, were realising that there was an issue for cabin crew safely, uh, safety in terms of trying to minimise contact between passengers and cabin crew. It was fairly obvious that a major touch point is the current traditional way of taking the trolley up the aisle and asking people if they want to buy food or drink, especially for the low-cost carriers. It's an important revenue generator for them. Notably, the new system is also completely offline. WOW is an offline system on board, and uh, that's one of the tricky bits to have the PCI compliant compliance, uh, which is, uh, for those who don't know, is the card payment system, so you, you have to adhere to certain very strict rules and regulations in regard to GDPR data uh, and card terminals. Uh, so anyway, that information there, compliance in an offline mode. Uh, we'd already achieved that with our WOW box. Uh, RIM, RIM's whole module and their software is also PCI compliant, so the architecture of both companies' uh, pr products fits nicely, said Brown. Functionality. Uh, the uh, uh, Brown explains that the Wow Wireless IFE is modular, using a Docker container system that he sums up as the latest technical way of different software elements being able to communicate easily with each other. We work to the same standards, and our box accepts third-party apps that have been done in the Docker Station standard. And RIM has done their software in a way that fits into that kind of architectural standard. Uh, this software hardware agnostically um uh, ag agnosticity, so that's a word I really struggle to say, you, you get the gist. Brown says, is part of Blue Box's special source. Well, that's an unusual way of describing it. Uh, we've always seen WoW as a platform with our base software. We've provided the framework for normally the IFE system. It's more a sort of buy versus build. We, as a soft software company, don't necessarily see the need to build everything ourselves, and the way we designed the WoW software was uh, specifically to be able to take third-party apps, games and other products, for example. Uh, so the mood was driven by two uh, primary airline customers, the announcement of which has been delayed by the COVID-19 crisis and the names of which Brown was unable to share publicly. Both of them came to us with the same issue round about the same time. Brown notes saying that it was confirmed by other low-cost carriers as well that it is something they're all looking at as they come back into service. It's clearly something that gets raised when looking at the process and making them COVID safe. Airlines, it seems, are accelerating their plans to offer touchless payments. Prior to the COVID-19 crisis, Brown suggests that the perspective was uh, that it was a nice-to-have or a phase two kind of development. Uh, the partnership between Blue Box and RIM is non-exclusive and independent of other arrangements using 
doct- doctorized hardware and software means it is relatively straightforward for any third party to write apps to interface with uh, Blue Box system. Indeed, it's something that Blue Box itself very much encourages. So it sounds like with these IFE systems, essentially, it's like a like an app store or a, or a, or a Play Store type sort of scenario where you know apps can be uh, presumably they adhere to certain standards and then they will run uh, on that sort of Android slash Linux slash um, you know. IOS sort of platform I guess so it's uh, I don't know I mean it, I, I, part of me sort of surprised that this hasn't been done before um, but um, I suppose I mean it's not like the cabin crew don't have enough to do let's be honest <laughs> and what about when the tech goes wrong when it's uh, you know with the tech with the tech you know as we all know tech is good while it's working mm. but um, should this system Say if, you know on a, on a long haul flight, say should the system fail, what what would be the kind of fallback for the crews? Do you think? I mean, the the advantage I suppose in in that scenario is so they're they're talking about operating an offline system, so uh, which is how the card terminals. You know when when you when you take a card payment in mm. in the air. Uh, my understanding is that they don't actually do a, a, a like a because obviously they're in the air, so it's difficult for they can't get a signal unless the 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 plane is is fitted with some form of Wi-Fi, um, so essentially all those terminals are operating in an offline capacity anyway. So they're taking the card de- details, they're they're storing um, the the information that they need th- uh, in order to be able to send um, or make your payment, and then that's all downloaded when you get you know on the ground. Um, so this would be no different. So I mean, really, I, I can't see. Uh, I can't see there being any issues in regards to to how that would work with that system, oh Matt. If if they lost that data whilst they were obviously at the end of a flight, if that data was to be lost or the the, the car or the trolley or something, there was an issue. Uh, I mean, would that obviously if that data is lost? Is that the, they're not the customers aren't then going to be charged for? Anything they've had potentially. Uh, I mean, I, I can't. Again, I can't see that happening no. because once the transaction has gone through, most of these systems um, are on multiple drives anyway. So if you lose one hard drive, then there'll be a backup. Mm. It. They call it like a RAID system. I mean, there are newer versions. I mean, I must admit, my knowledge is not as uh, hot as it used to be about things like that. But um, I mean, unfortunately, no. You're very unlikely to end up with a free uh, meal off the back of of the system okay. going down. <laughs> Uh, so sorry to to <laughs> burst your bubble there, but uh, yeah, it's uh, there. Also, uh, uh, several airlines that are already running this retail in motion software. Uh, people like Aer Lingus, SAS, and a few other major carriers uh, they use very similar. Uh, and also, Ryanair uses a similar uh, system, which I'm surprised at actually, because of course they don't have IFE um, on board, do they? And because uh, I think certainly from this story, they're talking about you know integrating into the IFE systems that are already on place. Um, yeah. It's uh, I've just tried to have a look because there's a thing. Uh, I, I it's uh, oh right, I see. Yes, it's uh, Alan White is actually saying it's sort of very much like Uber Eats and Just Eat, but basically in the sky, um, mm. which kind of makes sense. I mean, actually, you know, the the, the other than the card element type side of things it's very straightforward uh, what they're trying to do there it's no different to, as you, as as alan says if you if you've ever used the just eat apps or uber eats or, or anything like that you know you look at a menu on the on the thing i'm sure they'll make it look a lot nicer than they do uh, on and those also apps. the 
the big difference being oh, when you've ordered your um, item, you, you're not going to get a moped ride down the uh, no, aisle. No, no, no. You know, a, a very professional uh, air <laughs> steward will bring it to your your area, no doubt. Sort of, you know, wearing gloves and things like that. So, uh, so yeah. moving on to the next story, and yep. we're going to move across to the US for this next one. And Armando's taking this, and this is all about American Airlines. In a quick COVID nineteen update. American Airlines will resume filling planes to capacity starting July 1st. As more people continue to travel, customers may notice that flights are booked to capacity starting July 1st, the airline said in a recent statement. American will continue to notify customers, allow them to move to more open flights when available, all without incurring any costs. Free flight modifications, including date, time, and location, will be in place through September 30th, the company said. In addition to an existing mask requirement, passengers will be surveyed pre-flight if they have been free of coronavirus symptoms for the past 14 days. According to the statement, uh, pre-check-in, all travelers will fill out a symptom checklist developed in consultation with Vanderbilt University Medical Center. Our customers trust us to make every aspect of their journey safe. We won't let them down, said Chief Customer Officer Allison Taylor. The airline told the New York Post in May that it had limited flight capacity to 50%. Now, I mean, th th this surprises me quite a lot, doesn't it, to sort of find that they're essentially more or less at capacity. Um, you know, that, 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 that surprises me so soon, really. I had heard on a, on a few other aviation podcasts that are based in the U.S. that um, there has been certain airlines that have been running flights in the U.S. at Full, you know, full capacity, near enough full capacity, and I mean every seat full. There's no, there's no you know, sort of um, like yeah, rows middle and seat, things, middle yeah. seat missing. So yeah, it's it's coming back. I mean, should it be coming back quite so fast? Mm. I think it's worth worth also noting and say, so John's been doing a little bit of digging around. This is worth delving into the backlash on social media about this decision as a lot of people aren't happy that this will happen, especially as it comes when cases are very much on the ride, specifically in Texas, uh, where the airline is based. So this is basically what um, American Airlines says from the AA.com. Uh, and so they are saying notifications to customers booked on more crowded flights. As more people continue to travel, customers may notice that flights are booked to capacity starting from the 1st of July. Uh, American will continue to notify customers and allow them to move to more open flights when available, all without incurring any cost. This is in addition to the airline's current travel waivers. Additional uh, details regarding travel waivers can be found uh, on their website, which is aa.com forward slash travel alerts. Uh, if space is available once boarding is complete, taking into consideration any aircraft weight or balance restrictions, customers may move to another seat within their ticketed cabin subject to availability. Uh, I mean, it's safe to say, uh, I mean, uh, John's put loads of um, various tweets and things in here. I mean, we've all seen the pictures, haven't we, of, of absolutely rammed aircraft. Um, I mean, now, I, I dare say you'll touch on, on this uh, very shortly, Nev, but, I mean, how do you feel about this? Hmm. Yes, interesting. Um, I was very excited about getting on a plane yesterday, and um, I was less excited getting off it, I have to say. Um, mm -hmm. Not the plane bit itself, but the, the terminal experience, where you'll see that later on. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm in a bit two minds. But on the other hand, of course, 
the aviation industry has to get back somehow. Yeah. We cannot have a situation uh, where there are continual layoffs like this. Um, and uh, we've already seen uh, some big airlines going out of business in the last couple of years. And if we're not careful, we're going to see some more. So I think uh, I've got to say in the case of British Airways yesterday, and I'm sure a lot of other airlines as well, they're doing their very best to keep people safe uh, whilst on board. And that's all they can do, really. True, true. So the next uh, story, I'm moving on to simple flying for this one. Imagine getting on an aircraft uh, to actually not go anywhere. Well, this story, headline, China Airlines' newest A330 route that doesn't leave the airport. So with global travel bans making it difficult for travellers to satisfy their wanderlust, one Asian airline has come up with a novel solution. Taiwanese China Airlines, in partnership with Taipei's Shongshan Airport, has uh, laid on a flight on its Airbus A330 for travel-hungry locals with just one small catch. It doesn't leave the airport. So, take a flight to nowhere. Travel-starved passengers have been offered a chance to indulge in the full travel experience without risking getting stranded overseas. Taipei's Songshang Airport has taken 90 people on a complete air travel trip without ever leaving the airport. The campaign launched last month uh, lets would-be passengers go through the whole experience of taking a trip from security, immigration, queuing at the gate and boarding the plane. The aircraft, an A330 belonging to Chinese carrier China Airlines, will be all theirs for a whole 15 minutes. Once on board, they'll be greeted by a flight attendant and given the usual full safety briefing before disembarking, having gone absolutely nowhere. Uh, they'll get a demonstration of everything the airline is doing to tackle the spread of COVID-19. Also included in the three and a half hour tour is the full airport experience, including shopping in the duty free store they're also treated to snacks and drinks at the airport's brand new scenic restaurant a few passengers also got to try out the new e-gates at the airport as well so thousands have applied for the experience believe it or not so reuters reports that around 7,000 people applied to be part of the innovative experience the winners were chosen at random from the, the pool with 30 lucky participants selected for each tour each one can bring a friend, so 60 people will get the pleasure of the full travel experience at each event. So while the tours allow passengers to get a unique inside perspective on the airline's COVID protection measures, the primary reason for the initiative is to showcase the extensive renovation, or renovations to the airport that's been undertaken while it's been not operating many flights. Since lockdown, Taipei Songshang has facilitated mostly domestic flights as the borders were closed to international traffic. Songshang usually has numerous daily flights to Tokyo, Seoul and various destinations in China. In 2019, it handled around 6.2 million passengers. But since the outbreak of coronavirus, passenger numbers have plummeted 64%. Chi Ching Wang, Deputy Director of Taipan Shonghan Airport, told CNN that people who didn't have the opportunity to take the international flights at Songshang can use this experience to experience and learn more about the boarding process and relevant service facilities. Today's experience, he says, was on board a China Airlines uh, aircraft, but the next tours will be on EVA Air's wide-bodied A330. 
And he says here, would you like to take a flight to nowhere? Would it satisfy your wanderlust? And they say that uh, obviously you can uh, comment on this once you've had the experience. So we'll throw this over to the chat room. How would you guys in the chat room obviously fancy trying this flight to nowhere? The full experience of from entering the airport right through to, uh, to getting on the aircraft. So Alan's already been in touch, actually, and he's just saying, hang on. So you go through the pain of an air- of airport without actually going anywhere. Don't get me wrong, I like the airport experience, but I do like to go somewhere. <laughs> I mean, there is that. There is that, I suppose. I, I, I don't know. This is a very funny one, isn't it? I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so uh, Air Commander is saying here is just like, basically, I wouldn't. Uh, I literally don't see the point in it. Um... <laughs> Richard Adams is saying special offer of free <laughs> TSA in-depth probing. I mean, that, I don't know. That might be something someone looks forward to. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Come on then, uh, Nev. I mean, what are your thoughts? Would would you be up for this? I mean, would well, this no, excite you? Uh, for me, it's all about the flying, uh, really, isn't it? I do, I do like the airport experience, generally speaking. Mm. Uh, but... It, it can be painful, that's for mm, sure. Absolutely, so, and, and we'll we'll come on to that actually uh, where when we uh, share your your offering this week actually, isn't it? Because you you had some interesting points to make during during that. I think um, yeah, it's oh sorry, it's uh, the last one before we move on is saying that Rich from Sheffield is saying I've been in enough airports. I just want to get on an aircraft and get where I want to go, which is a very good point, isn't it? I mean, we're usually going to the airport because we want to go somewhere else. You know, this is the thing. So, moving on to uh, to the last story in the commercial news segment this week, and for those of you who uh, who like football, will know about the yellow cards. So, Nev. Oh yes, well this is um, a bit of a sort of preamble to the the next item, but just to give you an idea of what it's like to fly at the moment with the various carriers at various airports. So first off, we've got Alaska Airlines, who's giving out yellow cards. Uh, they've announced. Uh, that its flight attendants will issue a yellow card to any passenger who refuses to wear a mask. Uh, The card is a final notice to comply with the policy. After that, the passenger might be barred from Alaska's flights, said a statement on the airline's website. The airline will provide masks and sanitizer wipes uh, to those who do not have their own. so, um, so it'd be interesting to see how, how that uh, gets uh, um, deployed. Uh, the next, uh, passengers are lying. In March of this year, just as the coronavirus pandemic was beginning to rear its ugly head, a woman who was working for Biogen failed to disclose that she had contracted COVID-19 and flew from Massachusetts to China. She was able to avoid detection by taking a large dose of anti-fever medication before boarding her flight. Uh, though the incident eventually came to light and she was fired by the company, uh, which is a Cambridge uh, in Massachusetts uh, neurosciences firm with offices in 38 countries. It's likely not the first time that someone had lied about being infected with the virus. And according to Fortune magazine, it won't be the last. So as as many temperature checks that are taken, as many health forms that are filled out, they still don't uh, prevent a determined passenger from simply lying or, as as a woman from Biogen did, taking enough medicine to temporarily lower a fever below the 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit that is generally considered safe to fly. 
Uh, so at Frankfurt Airport, they're doing uh, COVID test centers. Uh, so many destinations such as Dubai are requiring passengers to prove that they are free of COVID-19 upon arrival. Up until now, this has proven to be a challenge for many travelers, such as uh, such tests were difficult to obtain. Uh, Lufthansa passengers departing from Frankfurt will now have the opportunity to be tested for acute infection with the COVID-19 virus. This means that only those with the possibility of transmitting the disease will be identified and not those who have been previously infected and developed antibodies. Uh, Centogen offers two pricing points for COVID-19 testing. For €59, Euros, uh, passengers will get their results in six to eight hours. However, for €139, Euro, uh, passengers will get an express test in under three hours. For €9, Euros, uh, the centre will in issue an internationally valid verification of the test result. The facility is open from uh, seven in the morning till seven in the evening from Monday to Friday. And on Wednesday, the facility is open for slightly fewer hours uh, from nine till five. And it can handle up to 380 tests per hour. Now that's good stuff as far as I'm concerned. That, mm. That's really sort of proactive um, testing and validation to make sure that the, uh, the folks at your destination um, you know, are happy with uh, your, your condition. I mean, the, the thing that worries me most about that story is about, about that, though, those two articles you were reading, Nev, was the one where it says passengers lie. I mean, surely they know how important, you know, temperature was one of the early signs, wasn't it, of, of this whole thing. I mean, why would you put so, you know, the potential to put people at risk? I, 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 it's, I find it baffling. Well, there's there's weirdness that goes on, isn't there, under these circumstances? And we've all seen um, all sorts of stuff going on in in the last uh, few weeks and months, from mass gatherings in the US and the UK and, and uh, France as well. All sorts of things happen under under these circumstances. Um, so you you don't really know what what's going to happen to you, unfortunately. But um, yeah, you're going to get one or two that you know clearly want to bend the rules. Um, <sighs> I mean, it, I mean, it really bothers me. It really bothers me. But um, anyway, it, it, you know, this is the bit that I, I've been looking forward to this bit for a long time because I've had a little sneak peek and I can't wait for everyone to to share this. Now, of course, off the back of that story, Nev, you've been uh, you've you've um, you, you've taken the baton, shall we say? And for the for everyone who's watching in PTUK land here, you've put yourself at risk. I've been on a flight. <laughs> So that you don't have to. Quite, absolutely. <laughs> so yesterday I flew from London Heathrow to Edinburgh and back. Uh, I was hoping to uh, bump into someone from the press office uh, in Edinburgh, but they couldn't accommodate an interview yesterday, unfortunately. We're going to see if we can tee that up on a, another occasion. And the reason I did it was because I wanted just to see, A, what it was like for myself and try and put it across, um, how normal things are or how they are not in some cases. And uh, I think it makes for, for quite interesting viewing. Uh, we start off by uh, having a look at uh, BA's new uh, procedures for uh, being in the airport and also on the plane. So let's have a look. We've missed you, world. We might not have seen you for a while, but we've never stopped looking forward to the day we'll all be together again. And when the world opens up, we're ready to get you flying to the people and places we all miss. Our family, our friends, 
our colleagues, our favourite destinations. We've been busy doing everything we can to make sure you feel safe on the ground and in the air. Our entire fleet is cleaned from nose to tail every 24 hours and our HEPA filters remove 99.9% .9 of germs and viruses from the cabin air. And on board, key surfaces will be disinfected after every flight. That's a lot of disinfectant and a huge amount of love and care. Whilst we're doing everything we can, we need your help too. You can keep contact at the airport to a minimum by downloading the BA app and saving your boarding pass. And remember to make use of our new sanitising stations whenever you like. We require all customers to wear a face mask at all times in the airport and on board. As a guide, a face mask could last up to four hours. So please remember to bring enough masks with you for the duration of your trip. When you reach the departure gates, have your passport open and boarding pass ready. Then sit back and enjoy your flight. We've got everything covered. When we land, observe safe distance markers through to border control and on to the people and places you're longing to see. We can't wait to welcome you safely on board again soon. Well, good morning, everybody. It is 5.23 on Thursday morning. Far too early. Um, but the reason I am early is because there's just no traffic on the road at all. Nothing. Uh, I came down the M40, M25, tiny bit of the M4 to get to the um, uh, terminal here at, uh, at uh, T5 uh, in the short stay car park. Um, yeah, very, very quiet, but also no pod parking either. You know that nice little pod I used to go on? Uh, they've shut that because of the COVID crisis, although I don't understand why they need to do that, but um, I'm sure they have their reasons. Anyway, so uh, time to put the mask on and uh, head off into T5. Well, here we are in T5 um, with the mask on. And uh, as you might be able to see, it steams up your glasses beautifully. And I've got to say, um, having never worn a mask before, uh, it is very uncomfortable. Um, and it might be okay on, on a one hour flight, but what about a you know six or seven hour flight? So. Anyway, I'm just going to Edinburgh today, so we'll have to see how that pans out. But uh, yeah, it's not, not great at all, I have to say. I know I'm sounding a bit weedy, but having never worn one before, uh, it is a bit odd. The terminal is extremely quiet. Uh, normally by 5.30 in the morning, it would be absolutely chock-a-block here, but uh, it's just really, really quiet indeed. So uh, let's see. We're going to go through security now and uh, see if we can get into a BA lounge, maybe, for some uh, bacon rolls. That'd be nice. See you in a minute. Yes, we do like the bacon rolls, don't we? Well, uh, unfortunately, I was out of luck. As you can see, the lounge is well and truly shut, and I don't know when they're going to open it at the moment. That applies to all BA lounges at all airports. Uh, so uh, there was no other choice but to go and do some plane spotting instead. But uh, as you can see on the ramp, all a bit quiet not much going on there at all and this has been the theme for some time they are bringing some aircraft back now from those remote parking airports that they were at um, so I had to uh, make my own arrangements for my breakfast which was a 
Panoration and a latte from Pret-a-Manger, uh, which was a huge queue to go, uh, uh, to join, unfortunately. But uh, there we go. As you can see, the rest of the terminal is absolutely deserted. So this is uh, very early in the morning. It's normally absolutely packed with people uh, going to uh, many UK and European destinations. Um, and uh, lots of signs around saying what to do, what not to do, wash your hands, wear your masks keep two meters uh, safe distance from others. This area here is a bar area which normally serves breakfast and also for those who have a penchant for a lager at six o'clock in the morning. The Crown Rivers is your place of choice normally but as you can see all cordoned off, nothing going on whatsoever. Uh, this is uh, Boots the Chemist, again normally quite busy uh, but you can see with the rest of the terminal there not much going on but plenty of signage. I wish I had the signage contract for this job I must say, people must have uh, been able to make a fortune from it but uh, uh, as you can see a few flights going, uh, again not the normal number at all on T5. This is my flight uh, on the way to Edinburgh and um, the in fact the number of people on this flight was only about 50 on our A319 so it was not busy at all. This is interesting this is on board the aircraft in seat 1A and there are no of the, no magazines at all. Uh, all you've got is the safety card and the sick bag. Uh, perhaps that's that's a message I don't know. So we've taxied off the gate and just going all the way down from T5 which is at the far end of the runways uh, down to the takeoff end on 27 right. Again, normally this would be a very busy time, uh, first thing in the morning, so about 10 to 8 in the morning, absolutely nothing doing at all. And as you can see, just as we uh, turn on to the runway itself for departure, uh, there is nothing else around. In fact, they are only using one runway at the moment. In this case, it's 27 right, uh, when they're on Westerlies, um, and uh, there's, there's just no need for, for both runways in operation with the lack of traffic that they've got. So, um, yeah, absolutely incredible. And as we turn onto the runway here, normally behind us, there'd be an absolutely huge queue uh, waiting to go. And normally we'd have to queue for about, well, anything up to about 20 minutes to be able to join the runway, but uh, nothing, nothing happening at all. So off we go in our A319. Probably quite a derated takeoff with only 50 people on board as well, I would imagine. Uh, but once again, just looking at the apron there, uh, there's some uh, US flights there, but plenty of cargo flights, mainly from China, uh, just uh, stopping by to uh, unload before they go back uh, to Asia again. Um, but yeah, it's a very surreal experience, that's for sure, at Heathrow at the moment. Uh, one of the busiest international airports in the world, uh, with nothing doing whatsoever. So we've rotated already because there's a very light load on board and as you can see there's still not much in the way of taxiway traffic. Very, very quiet indeed. So, um, And uh, there's our chums in the tower. Uh, I wonder how many people are in there, whether that's a, a full complement yet. I would get, doubt it because there's probably just not the requirement for all those people. Um, so uh, you can see a few more aircraft parked up now. A, a lot of aircraft were parked at remote airports around the country. Cardiff and Bournemouth and all over the place, uh, Sheffield I think. Um, anyway, so here we are on board and I thought, ah, this is it, breakfast time. What's it going to be? Is it going to be the bacon sandwich, the sausage sandwich? Uh, no, it's a um, ham and cheese croissant and coffee and uh, water and a rather nice muffin as well. But this is was in business class, but everybody had the same food. Uh, what they're trying to do is prevent 
lots of handling going on I think so they're trying to find as many disposable things as they can anyway this is on the approach to Edinburgh Airport we're approaching on runway 06 so we're coming into the uh, on the easterlies and this is always a lovely part of the um, of the journey I think we're just uh, it's just the gear down so we're just joining the glide slope here um, and it's beautiful countryside in this part of the world it's really really nice and, and the weather was pretty reasonable not not bad at all um, and um, I think that uh, if you're looking for somewhere which okay in the winter it's not great it's a bit miserable but the scenery around uh, Edinburgh uh, is absolutely fantastic a lot of industry uh, just on the run up to this end of the airport here and uh, lots of uh, houses as well but plenty of greenery that's the main thing so um, that's good and also it was nice to hear the autopilot being clicked off nice and early too so it was a manual approach all the way down to the ground the weather was nice plenty of visibility uh, so that was great this is the main road into Glasgow the motorway here again this is sort of uh, about 10 to 9 in the morning so normally this would be right in the middle of rush hour absolutely chock-a-block with traffic as you can see very little doing and I think that still sums it up we, we think we're getting back to normal but far from it I think we've still got a long way to go to be honest with you and I think this is going to be the theme for many months yet let's hope that we do get back to normal whether it will be this year or not I don't know but uh, there we go so we're yeah, very very quiet uh, coming into the airport indeed and um, I think that uh, that's the other uh, road just up uh, on the threshold nearly at the threshold of uh, runway 06 the sewage farm nice lovely and just as we come into land here you'll see that uh, where the perimeter fence is almost at the top of the screen there uh, when I used to drive to Edinburgh quite a lot that's where I used to go uh, plane spotting and uh, normally very very busy but um, again nothing much doing today uh, nice landing I wish they'd resurfaced the runway at Edinburgh though it is really rough in places and you would have thought wouldn't you with the opportunity with uh, much less traffic uh, on the runway uh, that they might might have been able to do that but nonetheless they had to have cargo flights still coming in I guess so uh, it is the only main runway at uh, Edinburgh these days um, so um, you know they've got to do what they've got to do I understand that but uh, yeah very nice and you'll notice how quiet it is on the plane as well because everybody's wearing masks so communicating is is a bit difficult so normally you hear lots of people talking and maybe the odd round of applause when the aircraft lands but uh, not on this occasion so we've just turned off onto the uh, uh, onto the apron here and uh, coming into the main terminal in fact the only terminal at uh, Edinburgh um, one of the things that they have changed now is that when you disembark the aircraft you have to do so row by row you can't all just sort of stand up and have a mass ruck uh, out of the aircraft which is what people normally do so they make an announcement uh, telling you very specifically what to do when the seatbelt signs are switched off please remain seated and refrain from collecting personal belongings from overhead stowages until your row number is announced as we'll be disembarking all customers in smaller groups Please may I remind you to maintain a distance of two metres between one another in the aircraft dial and please do not stop in the aisle whilst disembarking. Thank you. So, no rushing, none of that business. And that was actually quite nice. It was a nice change to get off the aircraft in an orderly fashion. I'm sure that won't always be the case, but uh, it might be an idea, actually. And it's interesting, isn't it, when you see these new procedures in place, as we've had to do, um, new ideas come out of it. Anyway, so this is the 
Edinburgh Airport itself uh, and you have to keep a certain distance apart and it says please keep one plane apart from each other uh, well by my calculations an A319 is 34 meters long I think that's too much but maybe I've missed the point uh, they're trying to say you need to keep one aircraft blob from each other on the ground um, which is two meters this is the terminal itself as you can see if you thought Heathrow Terminal 5 was quiet this is even quieter absolutely incredible nothing open whatsoever uh, all the normal normal concession stores uh, the restaurants the bars I think this is about the busiest it got has been three people down at the end of the corridor there all the main shops are shut I thought oh, I might go into the lounge no the BAE lounge is shut as well until further notice and as I said earlier I wonder how long that's going to be uh, this is the Weatherspoons pub which is very popular with uh, visitors to Edinburgh Airport nothing happening there at all this is the only store that was open WH Smith's which for those not from the UK uh, it's one of those sort of confectionery stores that just sells everything uh, so I went out on to the uh, near the ramp area by the window just to have a look uh, again very little going on the Euro wings uh, Airbus A320 just pushing back there going back to Germany somewhere uh, this Norwegian 737-800 was going back to Oslo um, but it was not busy at all. Uh, here's an EasyJet uh, A319 by the looks of it, just come in from somewhere. Um, again, this is a very popular airport for EasyJet and Ryanair, but just no traffic at all. In incredible. And I would imagine that the passenger loads on that aircraft are very light as well. Here's my A319, uh, which was coming in from Heathrow uh, to collect us, uh, to take us back. Uh, again, uh, judging by the, the load factor on that aircraft, I saw the people getting off, there seemed to be about 40 or 50 people on the aircraft, something like that. So again, not busy at all. And uh, it, it just it is astonishing to me how quiet it is uh, at all of the airports, but especially the regional ones like, uh, like Edinburgh. Again, it's the capital city of Scotland, so you think it would be busy, but uh, absolutely not at all. Um, now, it was all going terribly well until we pushed back off of the gate. Uh, there's a picture from uh, Captain Al's Flight Radar 24, which sees our A319 parked perfectly in the middle of a taxiway. We couldn't start the number two engine. There was some sort of uh, over-temperature problem with the starter, so we had to wait 10 to 15 minutes before we could get underway. Once we did get underway, the captain was not uh, not hanging about. It was a rolling takeoff, and off we went. So we were delayed by about half an hour. Um, but clearly he wants to get home for his tea. Um, but again, not, not a problem at all because there's only about 60 or 70 people on the aircraft going back. And um, yeah, so I, I think the other thing is that with those load factors as low as they are, this is only running probably four flights a day, something like that. Uh, not even that in some cases. Certainly fewer at the weekends. Normally the rotations from uh, Heathrow, for example, are about eight flights a day, almost one an hour. Um, and again, that's just from Heathrow. There's all the other London airports normally which are open. So that will be uh, Stansted, Gatwick, London City, um, uh, Luton as well in, in the case of EasyJet uh, and Ryanair possibly. So yeah, again, you can see on, on the ramp there, that's the cargo area at um, Edinburgh's a DHL flight there. And this was the only difference on the way back in that we had a very nice uh, chocolate mousse thingy from Doe & Co. Coming back over to London, this is the east part of London. You can see the uh, River Thames there and the Dome. And just as we're coming into land at Heathrow, this is one of the main long-stay car parks. As you can see, one or two cars there, 
couple of service vehicles, something like that. Uh, not busy at all. Uh, again, this is normally an area which is exceptionally busy. Uh, just coming over the threshold now of runway 27 right, the runway we departed off of earlier on, and uh, opposite are the big hotels, which again, uh, not open until July the 4th, when hospitality resumes in England. So uh, they will start getting a bit busier, hopefully. Um, so, uh, But uh, again, very little traffic on the roads, very little traffic on the runways and the taxiways, so all a bit surreal. Uh, still, so we're, it's as I said earlier, it's going to take a while for us to get back to some sorts of normal operations. But I was very pleased to be able to do this trip because it just shows how different things are at the moment. So, uh, hope you enjoyed it and join us again soon for another Nev's passenger experience. Thanks very much indeed. Hey, <laughs> how good was well that? Well done, Nev. Well oh. done. That yeah, was really uh, good. Many things we need to talk about in that uh, amazing film, there, my friend. Um, shall we start with the, the chat room? That's probably the best thing to yes, to go with. So let, let's start with Jonathan Warner. Hello, Jonathan Warner. Thanks for joining us. So he's he's now he's saying uh, so business class is currently pointless if you get no lounges or extras because of course you were saying in that film that basically business class and uh, normal class, cattle class, for whatever you want to call it, they're all getting the same food. Uh, yes, they're, and that's right, because they're trying to pr uh, stop all the food handling and preparation, so everybody's getting the same deal, really. So you still get your mm. extra points if you fly in business class and all the rest of it, your uh, status and all that business. But I think from tomorrow, I think I'm right in saying that the first lounge is going to be open at uh, Heathrow for British Airways. So things will start opening up. Again, that will fit in with the fact that hospitality starts to open up tomorrow as well, in, in England at least. So we'll start seeing some more things happening. Say. Yeah, uh, Alan White was saying that uh, uh, crew have, uh, crew probably haven't flown in like three months. No wonder they're not they knocked off the AP early. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice change actually. They normally fly all the way down to about four hundred feet before they knock it off. But mm. uh, it's actually quite quite a nice change. So as soon as the gear came down, I could hear the autopilot uh, disconnect, and um, yeah, they hand flew it all the way down, which was uh, wow. Really nice nice maybe for a bit of experience. Uh, also, it's yeah. worth noting that Alan does say that maybe the reason why he wasn't hanging about when they were, when you were leaving Edinburgh is the venison was in the oven, hence his haste to get home, which I think That's is... Right. Uh, with with the know, quail starter. Well, quite. Absolutely. Uh, and Masha sort of keeping it all, all um, aviation based, obviously saying, doesn't, uh, doesn't EasyJet have the only A319 with two window seats exit Now, variants? I might have to check that out because uh, John Jester, also in the chat room, said wasn't that an A320 with, with two exit uh, doors? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, I'm sure it was a, a 319. It was certainly shorter than A320. Mm. Um, so yeah, a bit of uh, research may be required. Oh, I there. say, excellent. Uh, well, we'll we'll report back next week. Um, but lots of love for that, Nev, uh, in the chat room. Thank you very much for actually, for Nev, that. quick one. <clears throat> what would uh, how would the crew? Oh, absolutely. I uh, could not fault them. I uh, tweeted them up, actually, mm. uh, when I got back because uh, they worked so hard on, on both sectors. Mm. Uh, flight deck crew, just as they normally would, but the cabin crew, of course, it, it, it's far more difficult for them to operate now. And, of course, they're wearing their masks the whole time, yeah. uh, as wow. we had to as well. Now, one thing I would say is that I, I was definitely very claustrophobic 
on the ground wearing a mask for the first time, but actually on the aircraft uh, with the temperature being a bit lower and a, a better AC and, and that kind of stuff, it was a bit more manageable. So possibly on a longer flight, it might not be too bad. But uh, yeah, if you've not worn a mask before, um, as I hadn't, uh, it's a, a bit of a shock to the system for the first half an hour, especially mm. uh, in a warm environment, that's for sure. Absolutely. So Air Commander's... Uh, yes, uh, Air Commander in the chat room is actually saying there are two exits on some A319s. Uh, the, is it Germania aircraft had them before they went under? They fly out of Norwich, actually. That's ah, mm-hmm. There we are, you see. Yep. So that's, that's an interesting stuff. Oh, look. Oh, look. Who's just joined us with his mask on? <laughs> just in time for the military. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Indeed. There you go. It looks Hello. like he's on the, uh, on the bus. Yeah, just finished up the shift as usual, and uh, first thing I wanted to do was listen to PTUK. Oh. Yay! I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that your life is that empty, I'll be honest. Uh, right. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you're here just in time for the... Much like this bus. Well, that's quite. Absolutely. You're here just in time for what many have just started to call the best part of the show, my friend. Uh, it is time uh, to go and do some military, and... Um, the uh, well, the, the best thing uh, to do is uh, get that underway. So, uh, as you're here, well, Armando, you might... Armando, introduce the introduce military it, segment. Introduce it, please. Yeah, he is always hard to Matt, you're ready. Uh, yes, yeah, I am. Let's go. From theaviationist.com, the headline is, The new C-130J will soon replace the C-130T that served as Fat Albert until 2019. Just a little over a year since the replacement was announced, the Blue Angels are preparing to receive their new C-130J that will replace the original C-130T Fat Albert. Uh, The Blue Angels posted today on their Facebook page the first photo of the Fat Albert as the team's pilots and crews arrived in none other than Cambridge, United Kingdom, to perform their maintenance tests, including aircraft systems operational checkout with a functional check flight before departing for the transatlantic flight that will take the aircraft to its new home at Naval Air Station Pensacola in Florida. With the first photo, the team also highlighted some of the changes from the previous C-130T paint paint scheme, like the flight surface's yellow tips, Similar to the team's FA-18s, two yellow stripes along the fuselage instead of the old single stripe, and the white top changed to a teardrop design instead of the old full white top along the entire fuselage length. Last month, the Blue Angels shared on social media the photos of the C-130's pilots and crew undergoing their final training phases for the transition from the T to the J model including uh, simulator training, low-level proficiency training flights supported by Marine Aerial Refueler Tramp Transport Squadron 234 at uh, Naval Air Station Joint Reserve Base Fort Worth. The new Fat Albert is reality in reality a second-hand aircraft. Um, the new C-130J is actually a divested UK aircraft and was chosen because of the major costs savings. According to a statement provided by NAVAIR, uh, cost savings associated with the acquisition of the used aircraft and other airworthiness requirements is approximately $50 million less than the cost of a new aircraft. 
The acquisition of the surplus aircraft from the United Kingdom was due to high operational tempo and current in-demand nature of Navy assets that prevented the Navy from just taking the replacement aircraft from its fleet. So with the new C-130J arriving and the Super Hornets, the Blue Angels will start preparations for the 2021 air show season with a totally new aircraft fleet after the botched 2020 season because of the COVID-19 pandemic that forced the cancellation of almost all the scheduled air shows and the America Strong flyovers to salute healthcare workers and first responders fighting the, the uh, pandemic. Mm. It's. Uh, I mean, there's. I mean, part of me is very excited. They've come over to the, to the UK to have a go at uh, doing a bit of practicing. Uh, you know, mm. that's the way forward. I think. <laughs> you know, I, I was I was very lucky indeed to have a tour around um, a C one thirty not so long back, mm. um, by by our legendary Armando, and uh, although they look fantastic in that in that military grey, don't you guys think that this this Blue Angels C one thirty J, looks pretty damn awesome with that that blue angels paint job on yeah mm. yeah it's uh, it's great actually worth worth uh, note as i say interestingly enough micah is actually saying in the chat room saying i think it's important to point out that this c-130 was a former raf or royal navy aircraft I- i'm not sure which and uh yeah it's uh yeah it's sort of it's uh it's an interesting aircraft, isn't it? I mean, it's. Uh, I've got. A, there's a picture here that I'm just sorry. I'm. I'm uh, pressing far too many buttons at once here. Um, it's uh, as I say to what Carlos is, is saying here. I mean, that, look, that looks great, doesn't it? It looks. Yeah, that that dark blue it? is yeah. is really 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 nice. It is. And I agree. It'd be nice. Be nice to see that flying over here, Matt, because obviously that we've got lots of training grounds around here that the um, we do. Royal Air Force use. That'd be nice we, to see we them. do, yeah, yeah, that is true. I'll give you that. I'll leave my camera on standby. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. All right. So on moving to on to one. the next story. Yeah, this one is all about um, the gunships heading to boneyards. The U.S. Air Force has sent its last AC-130U spooky gunship to the boneyard, capping a career spanning three decades. The gunship, named Gunslinger, was sent to the Arizona desert for what is likely a one-way trip. Another of the heavily armed transport airplanes, uh, Big Daddy, earned a coveted black letter for excellence and a spot at Hurlburt Field's Outdoor Aviation Museum. The AC-130U Spooky gunship was one of the most important aircraft in the post-Cold War period. The third-generation gunships first entered service in 1995 and flew combat missions in Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, and against the Islamic State. Uh, the gunship was equipped with a 25mm Gatling gun, 40mm Bofors cannons. Uh, the last gunship was armed with a 105mm howitzer operating in the direct fire role. So the Air Force retired the last of its spoo- uh, spooky gunships this year with Gunslinger taking its final flight to davis Monthan on June 26, 2020. Uh, davis Monthan is the location of the Boneyard, which is the U.S. military's retirement home for aging warplanes. There, they, under the care of the 309th Aerospace Maintenance and Regeneration Group, um, the aircraft sit in the dry Arizona desert. Planes sit at the boneyard until they are either needed needed again or permanently destroyed. Many are cannibalized for spare parts to keep uh, other airplanes still on active flying duty. Another spooky Big Daddy is being retired to the Hurlburt Field Air Park in Florida. 
So this air park, if you ever get a chance to be there, is an outdoor museum dedicated to Air Force Air Commandos and their aircraft ranging from World War II to the present day. So Big Daddy is special for another reason. It's the first AC-130 to earn this black letter on its status page. Uh, anytime that an aircraft, aircraft flies, uh, the Air Force explains, it could come back with any number of discrepancies or those discrepancies which can be found when maintainers do their inspections. So according to the Air, the Air Force, a black letter is significant because it means there are absolutely no discrepancies whatsoever on the airplane. Um, a black letter is when there's nothing on the status page. The crew chief's last name and, initial, and first initial goes in that place, and it shows that an aircraft has really been maintained with excellence. So Air Force aircraft fly regularly with discrepancies, so a plane with zero is a rarity. The AC-130U Spooky has been replaced by two other gunships, the AC-130J Ghost Rider and the AC-130W Stinger II. The AC-130J is on track to test fire an airborne laser weapon, which we talked about a couple weeks ago in 2022. It's worth noting, actually, obviously, uh, Matt, We'll put the uh, story show notes, or with the show notes, actually, the links to this story. There is an awesome video um, that goes with this this actual story, yeah. which shows kind of the inner workings of the uh, of the gunship itself, which is, is quite interesting to watch, actually, for those of you who have not seen kind of inside the aircraft itself. Definitely, yeah. It's it's uh, it, as I say it, again, a great a great find there. Really, it's. Uh... You know, I mean, the boneyard is such a sad word, isn't it, really? I suppose it's always so sad when stuff is retired. But, you know, we have to upgrade, don't we, at the end of the day? You love the uh, designation that they've given us so. It's going to the boneyard, but it's the spooky gunship. Uh, Why spooky? I don't get it. I don't know. Armando would probably know the answer to that question. Why Why would they call it the spooky Gunship. Good point. Yeah, good point. Um, I don't know what his connection's like, so we may or may not hear from him. He'll, he'll tell us next week. That's fine. He'll tell <laughs> okay, us next week. So, um, yeah, I, moving can, on. I can jump in real quick. So oh, yeah. The, yeah. the spooky call sign for the gunship goes all the way back to the C-47s in Vietnam. And it was, uh, it was painted on the sides of the airplanes. It was their call sign when they were talking to ground troops. Um, and as the concept of the gunship evolved from the C-47 to the C-130A models and then uh, I think E models and the H models and now the J and Whiskey models, they've always kept the spooky name uh, as as their call sign and the name for the airplane. There we go. You heard it here first. Yeah, live and ready to Honestly. go. Yeah, no. okay. <laughs> so uh, moving on to the next story, and uh, this is uh, all about a particular type of uh, aircraft that Armando knows a heck of a lot about. The first Osprey tilt-rotor aircraft to serve with the U.S. Navy joined the fleet on Monday, June 22nd, in a small socially distanced ceremony in California. The CMV-22B Osprey replaces the older C-2 Greyhound cargo plane in the Carrier Onboard Delivery, or COD, role. The Osprey will haul mail, supplies, personnel, and even F-35 engines from airfields on shore to the Navy's supercarriers operating at sea. So this Osprey touched down at Naval Air Station North Island in San Diego. Uh, the aircraft is the first to join VRM-30, or the Titans. According to the U.S. Naval Institute News, VRM-30 was the first squadron to receive the new aircraft officially announced in 2018. 
The aircraft is also the first in the Navy's high-visibility white and gray paint job, a color scheme that it uses to identify unarmed, non-combat aircraft. Well, COD aircraft typically shuttle food, mail, ammunition, spare parts to and from carriers at sea. COD also acts as the Navy's private airline, shuttling people to and from the ship. So the CMV-22B replaces the fixed-wing C-2 Greyhound, uh, though the Greyhound's basic airframe flies uh, flies on as the E-2C Hawkeye airborne early warning and control aircraft. So CMV-22 offers some advantages over the C-2. Uh, the C-2 was limited to operating from what they call real airports and real airfields uh, with airfields or, or runways several thousand feet long. The flexibility of the tilt rotor design means that the Navy's new COD aircraft can take off and land from nearly any flat surface. The CMV-22 can even operate from uh, the WASP and AMERICA-class amphibious assault ships and the Navy's new expeditionary afloat bases. Though the carriers typically embark on uh, embark several Seahawk helicopters that can accomplish nearly the same tasks. Um, so the big reason the Navy chose to replace the C-2 is um, the older airplane cannot transport the F-35's uh, Pratt & Whitney F-135 jet engine, while the CMV-22 can carry one of the big uh, beefy engines. Um, the Navy's version of the F-35, the F-35C, is going on its first operational deployment in 2021 above uh, aboard the USS Carl Vinson. And the Ospreys of VRM-30 will deploy with the F-35Cs when the Vinson does go to sea next year. Uh, so at the same time, the CMV-22 does have a downside. The tilt rotor has a range of 1,150 miles compared to the C2's uh, 1,400 nautical miles, something that could make rendezvousing with Carrier Task Force on the move more tricky. This is the longest range of any Osprey variant in operation, and, on, and it's only possible due to additional fuel tanks. But this obstacle is partially mitigated by the Osprey's ability to refuel in midair, which is a capability that the C2 uh, lacked. So the Osprey can also only carry 6,000 pounds of cargo compared to the C2's 10,000 pounds. Um, but uh, the CMV-22 features are large wing with two Rolls-Royce T406 turboshaft engines. The Osprey can rotate the engine and wing vertically, uh, wing engine vertically to take off and land like a helicopter. Once in the air, it rotates down 90 degrees, flies on like a conventional twin propeller aircraft. An aircraft configuration, the Osprey is significantly faster than any helicopter out there, uh, cruising at upwards of 280 knots. So the, the U.S. Navy is the third service to operate the Osprey, as we know. The U.S. Marine Corps flies the MV-22 as an uh, assault transport, while the Air Force operates the CV-22 as a long-range special operations and search and rescue aircraft. The Army has, to this date, declined to field the aircraft, but similar to a new tilt rotor, the Bell V280 Valor, which we've talked about, is in competition to replace the, 60, the UH-60 Blackhawk and the Apache as the service's new medium-sized helicopter. So the Navy wants to order 39 Ospreys for $4.2 billion and hopes to eventually operate about 48 of the aircraft worldwide. I mean, every time I see that aircraft, I, I just... Uh, 
I can't believe I know someone that's that's flown them. Do you know what I mean? They're just such an amazing <laughs> bit of kit, aren't they? I mean, it's actually we were we were talking to to each other while that was on, and we were saying actually, uh, do you know what? I, I, even I would love to have a flight in one. I mean, I wish it was possible because they are just so amazing. Such amazing we'll bits to, of kit. We'll have to ask all the relevant uh, people, Matt. We can sure we can yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, funny. facilitate yeah. that. Uh, Very funny. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, we'll, we'll fly. We'll also fly with the back door down as well. So we'll make. It what, what, what does that even mean? <laughs> what's, what's that supposed to mean? It's, uh, it's a great aircraft, isn't it? And um, you know, well, I mean, you know, welcome to uh, welcome to, to life with the U.S. Navy. Mm. So before we move on to the next story, we're going to say a quick hello quickly in the chat room to uh, Rick Bell. Hello to you, Rick Bell. Glad to see you uh, keeping things in check in the chat room. It's a good evening to you. So this, <laughs> he's uh, supervising. This next, yeah. He's supervising, yeah. The uh, next story, this is quite an interesting one. I saw this one uh, a, a week ago, and it's, it's very interesting regarding, um, well, a bus. Right, what, what literal bus? <laughs> a literally a bus. Okay. But the best part about the story is actually what's lifting the bus. Okay, here we go. Guys, this is kind of a fun story. The abandoned bus that figured prominently in the book and the film Into the Wild was recently picked up by the the Alaska National Guard and flown to an undisclosed location. The bus, where adventurer Christopher McCandless died of starvation in 1992, has attracted backpackers and hikers fascinated by the McCandless story, some of whom actually became lost or died. Oh, the, bus, the bus was removed in a joint operation between Alaska's Department of Natural Resources and the Alaska Army National Guard's 207th Aviation Battalion. The effort was dubbed Operation U-10 after the U-10 construction company that originally placed the, spot, the bus on the Stampede Trail in 1961. So this bus was originally part of the Fairbanks City Transit System, uh, was one of Three purchased by U-10 and placed on the Stampede Trail during its construction as housing for its trail workers. Two of the buses were removed in 1963, but the third was left behind as a shelter for outdoorsmen and hunters. It was this bus, later known as Bus 142 or the Magic Bus, that 24-year-old Christopher McCandless discovered in 1992 during an ill-planned trip into the Alaskan wilderness. Uh, McCandless became trapped at that location due to the rising river waters and eventually died of starvation. His story was told in the 1996 bestseller Into the Wild by John Krakauer and the 2007 film of the same name. Uh, the bus eventually became an attraction for those fascinated by uh, McCandless story, uh, leading some to seek it out themselves. Um, the bus, which McCandless himself found by sheer accident, was actually located in the Denali National Park, 25 miles west of Parks Highway on the Stampede Trail. So the harsh terrain and the climate sometimes resulted in the bus getting uh, bus seekers getting in over their heads. According to the National Guard, authorities mounted 15 search and rescue operations between 2009 and 2017 to rescue bus seekers. Two people have actually died on the trip. Uh, one in 2010 and another one in 2019. So an Alaska DNR official told the National Guard, we encourage people to enjoy Alaska's wild areas safely, and we understand that that we hold this bus, or that, that the hold this bus has had on the popular imagination. However, it is, an, it is abandoned. It is a deteriorating vehicle that was requiring dangerous and costly rescue efforts. More importantly, it was costing some visitors their lives. 
So Operation U-10 was carried out by the Guardsmen of Alaska's uh, 207th Aviation Battalion. Um, the operation began with a UH-60 Black Hawk helicopter flying to the bus site. Then the, guardmen, the Guardsmen cleared the obstacles and brushed around the bus. They cut holes into the roof and the floor to secure dual-point chain kits on the bus's frame. And then a CH-47 Chinook helicopter hitched the bus up and flew it to that undisclosed location. The guardsmen also transported a suitcase that holds sentimental value to the McCandless family. Uh, photographs from the operation show the bus flying low over the Alaskan countryside, and the Alaska Department of National Resources is considering what to do next with the bus. Once, one possibility is to display it at a safe location for public viewing. I just thought that was a fun story. I mean, I, I mean, there's so much wrong with that story. Uh, I don't know if I it's like just, the idea. It's just bizarre. I'm going to have to download that film now because it's, it's one of those one of those films I, I haven't seen. But it's, I, I, they say it's going to be taken to an undisclosed location. I know it's only a bus, but it obviously holds quite a bit of. Um, That's a word. Yeah. But if you if you're going to move something like a bus out of somewhere like a location like that, I think out of all the. Um, the the helicopters that you could choose from, I think the the CH forty seven Chinook is obviously going to be the the, <laughs> the choice, the, the weapon of choice, yeah, absolutely. weapon of choice, yeah, yeah for that I'd, particular I'd airlift. Say, I certainly wouldn't want to be in the bus while it's being moved around like that. No, I'm surprised <laughs> it didn't just disintegrate. You know, it's been well, yeah, there that long. Absolutely. It must have been secured, you know, properly. Mm. Mm. Oh dear. Anyway, no, Armando, thank you very much. Some great pieces there. Unfortunately, he's uh, he's in a location where he may not uh, be able to sort of comment now. So uh, he, he's uh, he's there for a, a moment. We've got uh, uh, one more to run, Carlos. Uh, that sort of uh, that, that was dropped in last minute. Yeah, last minute one, but it's really good. So this um, is coming from the RAF.mod.uk, and uh, the Royal Air Force are hiring cabin crew for the Voyager aircraft. Now, if you remember last week, we were showing the repainted aircraft, the, the A330-200 Voyager, or Boris Force One. Um, <laughs> as, an, <laughs> as an RAF air and ground steward, uh, the job it will entail, you can work as cabin crew, on the A330-200 Voyager aircraft and later as part of the Specialist Field Catering Squadron or work alongside industry partners in military messes. Once fully trained in catering hospitality and Royal Air Force cabin crew duties, you will be responsible for the comfort and safety and welfare of passengers traveling on 10 squadron or 101 squadron Voyager aircraft based at Bryce Norton. Having gained Voyager experience, you'll be uh, competitively transferred to uh, 32, the Royal Squadron, uh, to fly on the BAE-146 aircraft based at RAF Northolt and routinely fly with the Royals. Ooh. Uh, the Prime Minister and senior members of the Cabinet and HM forces as well. So you might get to fly on that lovely painted uh, Voyager. <laughs> so pay, what's the pay like? So what could you be paid if you are cabin crew on the Voyager aircraft? So after successful completion of phase two training, £20,000 plus benefits, very competitive for junior cabin crew in the UK. Um, the requirements, so you need to be a citizen of the United Kingdom or the Republic of Ireland, be a holder of dual UK or other nationality or have been a Commonwealth citizen since birth. Uh, be between uh, 17 and a half and 47 years old. 17 and a half, it's all important. Um, must uh, attest before the 48th birthday. Be able to swim 
and be within the height range of five foot two to six foot six. Uh, so you can apply uh, for this job if you fancy becoming a, a crew. And uh, that's over at uh, www.raf.mod.uk forward slash recruitment forward slash roles forward slash roles dash finder logistics. Well, we'll put the links anyway in the show notes so you can <laughs> like, click on the links. It's not there. the it's most memorable, reading is it? There. No, it's not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, interesting, I suppose. It's, it's, it's different. Obviously, it could lead to um, bigger and slightly more glamorous things if you are serving tea and biscuits to uh, Mr. Johnson. I, I would apply, but I'm too old, unfortunately. Oh, Nev. Uh, but also, um, it's saying that the height range is between five foot two and six foot six, and then it talks about uh, 32 squadron uh, with the one four six. I think if you're six foot six tall, uh, standing up in a one six in the BAE one four six, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Head, headache guaranteed. I suspect, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yes, okay. Uh, on to the last part of the show. And, uh, Carlos, what is this all about? So, next part of the show, it's segment number two of the Plain Truth no, segment. No, which... no, Segment number three, my friend. Sorry, segment three. <laughs> sorry, segment three. That's because I haven't watched number two yet. <gasps> How rude. So, this is number three of the Plain Truth series from Captain Alan Matt. And this one is all about those all hideously bird strikes. Yeah, saw point for Richard Adams, I think, in the chat room. Yes. <laughs> Hi there again, and welcome to another part of The Plain Truth. Joining me again is the awesome Captain Al. Hi, Captain Al. Hi, Matt. How are things? Oh, uh, do, you know, it, do you know, it's like it was, it's pretty much like it was last time we did this, it has to be said, so it's hot and muggy and very unpleasant, but uh, there we go. Uh, listen, uh, Al, while I've got you, I wondered if I could just have a quick chat to you about... Uh, well, the the dreaded word bird strikes, really. So, I mean, as a nervous passenger, we all know I'm a nervous passenger because I, I went and saw the film Sully. Brilliant film, really enjoyed it, um, really interesting. Uh, but obviously that's, always, that's been playing in the back of my mind. I mean, obviously what happened to, to Sully uh, was a very extreme example of that, especially to lose uh, all engines, essentially. Um, so... so um, in general terms, uh, if, if there is a bird strike, what, what usually happens as far as the aircraft is concerned? Okay, well, officially, bird strikes are known as wildlife strikes uh, because there are other species of animal that we end up having a adverse interface with. Right. Okay. Um, it's, it's, that, it's those flying pigs again, isn't it? That's, that's... Well, yeah, I, I, I don't have one of those on my list. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, but things like rabbits and foxes oh. are quite often uh, around airports. Uh, obviously, they're not in the air, but <laughs> you, you can hit rabbits and foxes on takeoff and landing. We'll talk a little bit about that mm. shortly. So with regards to Sully, um, a couple of things. First of all, everybody survived. No serious injuries. Yes. Yes. So let's focus on that bit, okay? And then also... How often do these kind of events happen? Once in a lifetime, maybe. Right. So we're not talking about frequent events. So whenever we have infrequent events, they always become dramatic events if there's a story to be had. Undoubtedly, there will be a statistic that someone can come up with to say, what is the chance of having two geese or more geese go down both engines 
on a modern transport aircraft and causing the terminal destruction of those engines. There will be a statistic. I'll just round it up and say it's a pretty rare event. <laughs> so how rare is it to hit wildlife? Well, that's fairly common actually. But if we think about, if we just talk about things that are in the air initially, what do we tend to see as normal human beings walking around planet Earth in the air of an animal variety most frequently? What sort of birds do you see? So, I mean, it's sort of things like swallows and, and seagulls and, and sort of that sort of thing. Okay. So relatively small birds. Yes, seagulls can get quite big, but relatively small birds. So if we think about starlings, thrushes, robins, they're all pretty small. So if you hit one or several of them, they don't do a lot of damage. Um, if we get up to pigeon and seagull size, then they can do a little bit more damage. And obviously when we get up to goose, swan, vulture type size, then obviously they can be quite damaging. Generally speaking, larger birds stay away from airliners. Um, the smaller birds tend to be in flocks. Uh, and I know geese fly around in flocks before anybody writes in, phones in, etc., etc. <laughs> uh, but the smaller birds tend to flock a lot. And uh, when we hit them, as unfortunately we do from time to time, um, it's bad news for them, but not bad news for us. The little birds, uh, unless they hit one of the critical areas, so like one of the probes for airspeed, temperature, etc., will leave, I don't want to get too gory, a little red splat mark, and that is all that is left. Uh, the bigger birds, uh, they can leave a bigger splat mark, and we have to make sure uh, that they've not sort of impaled their body on bits like the undercarriage or the flaps where... Uh, bones and flesh can get in the mechanism of the aircraft and cause some problems. Um, if a bird the size of a pigeon uh, goes down an engine in flight, uh, you remember from a couple of shows ago we talked about the fan at the front of the aircraft. Mm. Um, that is just a big fan. Um, so if you were to throw a, a pigeon into the front of that, centrifugal force will force any object to the outside of that fan and basically the bird or the debris will go within the engine but through the outer duct basically through it and it's called the bypass duct and that's actually where most of the thrust comes from uh, that that fan at the front if you consider it to be a very sophisticated propeller that's where most of the the thrust comes from about 80 percent of the thrust just comes from that big fan so the debris just goes down kind of like it goes within the engine, but in the outer part of the engine where there's just a void and it just shoots out the back of it. Um, so with regards to big birds like geese and, and vultures, yes, they, they, they can do damage and there are things that we can do to avoid hitting them. So one of the things that we do is we have our landing lights on and the animal psychologists tell us that we look like a very, very large eagle when we do that. <laughs> so birds get a little bit scared when they see large predatory birds, so we'll, we'll fly away. Uh, birds also uh, tend to be quite good at avoiding us. Uh, we generally don't try to avoid them. Um, 
it's not safe to do that but they generally avoid us so yes uh, wildlife strikes do happen uh, I've talked a lot about birds on the ground um, we can uh, hit things like uh, rabbits foxes uh, I've had a fox strike on takeoff before now um, it is perfectly conceivable to and it has happened uh, to hit things like badgers uh, and even quite large animals. So I'm reminded of the fact of about, I don't know, uh, 15, 20 years ago at Manchester Airport in the UK, an aircraft hit a cow on landing. So a cow had strayed out from adjacent field and onto the runway. Uh, it killed the cow. Um, there was no real damage to the aircraft. They went around and landed safety afterwards. Uh, so wildlife strikes are fairly common, especially uh, at migratory times of year, so spring and autumn, and also uh, in areas where you get, for example, seagulls, so any sort of coastal airfield. And one of the things that we stopped doing in aviation quite a long time ago is having rubbish dumps near airports, because obviously that is a absolute magnet for for birds and vermin and so forth so we try to avoid having those sort of things so in a nutshell wildlife strikes yes they can cause some damage more often than not it's minor and it's just some paperwork to be filled out uh, the authorities tend to like you to bag up anything that you kill and send it to them so that they can analyze it most pilots will say okay I didn't find anything really to send back in the bag uh, but if we do we bag it up and send it to them so they can try to analyze uh, what species it is and see if they can come up with ways to uh, mitigate big migratory areas and so forth so that's about it really uh, again I'm afraid to say it's one of those things it happens from time to time not particularly exciting and presumably, I mean, the, the, the issue that we're aware of, obviously, we're, we're to do with the Sully thing, I mean, presumably your, your biggest risk, certainly in terms of, of um, I'll, I'll stick with the term bird strikes, because it's animals in flight I'm referring to. Yeah, um, we, we hit bats from time to time, <laughs> so I've not, not, not actually seen any pigs, but uh, no, no. yeah, bats. Anything's possible uh, in these strange times. Um, so, but presumably the risk, obviously, that when, when you're in cruising altitude, presumably there's very little up there to, to sort of get in your way. Uh, high altitudes, uh, it is very, very rare to see wildlife, birds. I don't have any data, but I know that geese can occasionally fly above 20,000 feet. Oh, wow. Um, so it's not, uh, it's not, out of the question i can safely say that i've never seen any animals above sort of twenty thousand feet apart from occasionally the really badly behaved passengers <laughs> quite <laughs> lovely and on that bombshell i think uh, that's a great place to end thank you captain al and my pleasure Whee. there we go good old captain al We've had some really good feedback, actually, Matt, about these segments. Oh, have we? Um, but that you're doing, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, I got a random phone call from my father this week, actually, whilst I was oh. out, <laughs> call, calling me up, not to say, "Oh, hello, son, how are you? Are you all right? How are you having a good day?" Just to say, "Oh, just to let you know, I'm really enjoying the the plain truth segments you, you, that Matt's doing with Captain Al." 
Oh well, I'm delighted that uh, that it's 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 pleasing Papa Stebbings. That's great news. That is great. And news. That is, honestly, uh, that is what he does. All oh, right. Okay. Well, there we are. Uh, genuinely, though, guys, seriously, if you've got anything that you want some answers to, so if you've got any questions that you've always wanted to know about aviation, we've got we've had some great feedback. I think Tony had said about uh, turbulence. We're getting thing bits and pieces sorted out for that. If anybody has any other ideas, please do uh, either pop it in the chat room here to us now uh, of the questions that you want answering, and then I will ask them to Captain Al or indeed may even bring in another expert or two if necessary to get you the answer that you want so uh, yeah uh, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com uh, is the website and the email address that you need uh, if you would like to make any suggestions about our new segment the plain truth so nev just quickly mention before we go the competition Yes, don't forget you've got between now and episode 330 to send us in something that we can play out on the show. And the theme is aviation in my life. So any uh, feedback at all, uh, written, audio, video, uh, anything like that will do. Uh, so you'll be entered in the draw to win a £150 voucher for the Plane Reclaimers website, which has been kindly donated by Andrew Keegan, who was with us on the last show. So a great prize. So uh, please do contribute. Very much so. So social media links quickly. Uh, WhatsApp number plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. Send us your pictures you actually, yes. and stuff on there. <laughs> Obviously, don't forget to email the show podcast at plaintalkinguk.com and our website as well. Don't forget www.plaintalkinguk.com. You can find the store on there. You can grab yourself a PTUK t-shirt and you can also find out more about us. And don't forget, if you are watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to our channel. You'll get the notifications to find out when we're going live. And you can join us in the chat room and shape the show, conversation of the show. Uh, you can join us there. And also, don't forget the Amazon links if you're shopping using those. And also, before we uh, go, not forgetting as well, big thanks to all our Patreon donators and all our PayPal donators who help make the show what it is. Possible, yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's it, it for this episode, and uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thanks to everyone in the YouTube chat room. Thanks to all the audio downloaders of the show. So from me here in my studio, have a great weekend. Take care. And from Nev, from Matt, from Armando, and from everyone else, thanks, everyone. Take care. Have Cheers. a great weekend. Bye. Goodbye, everyone. See you later. Bye. Bye.